roll the cameras and action. ZC. ZC, what a beautiful name. I like how it's spelled even more. Hi, ZC. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. And a big shout out to Liz as well. My name is Tom Felton or Draco Malfoy in a bad disguise or a 19th century archaeologist, which is the current role. Um, Draco would look terrible with a moustache, wouldn't he? I don't know. Uh, anyway, any, uh, rumours are abound that you've just finished all of the Harry Potter books. That's quite a marathon. Um, hope your eyes haven't gone square. They're pretty good books, let's face it. Um, yeah, once you start, they say, that's it. You're, you're off, off to the races. So anyway, your friends at the uh, uh, the Shrieking Shack podcast wanted to send their congratulations and say, bloody good job. And um, they've also assured me that you dislike Gryffindors as much as I do. And you are strictly Slytherin-orientated. Finally, someone with some taste. I salute that. And f because of that, I will save you a spot in Slytherin House at the head table. I can do that. So in the meantime, um, keep reading, keep loving, stay mischievous. Um, and you best go give everyone at the podcast a big old cuddle. Uh, lots of love, girls. Congratulations. Bruce. Welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I'm your host, DC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, first of all, I didn't do the intro wrong this time. Correct. <laughs> that, was, that was something that I biffed on our last reading episode. <laughs> our, our last reading episode and also our last reading episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I guess I've got to come up with a new intro at some point because that one's not going to fly anymore. Mm. I, we've got cursed child, so maybe that'll. I, I I got some time, but I'm, but I'm a little I'm a little nervous about like what what can I possibly do? Because like I said on a common room a few few weeks back, like those words just sort of happen, right? Sure. I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking about those words anymore. Yeah. That's a that's a tongue that I speak in mm -hmm. at the beginning of every mm -hmm. episode at this yeah. point. Yeah. We are here for our uh, last Harry Potter movie episode. Mm-hmm. This is... It's a big movie. Sure is. And in keeping with that, we have one little piece of news here before we can dive right into it, because there's another big movie in the news. Ooh. So we are wrapping up Harry Potter and moving on to Cursed Child, and it seems like WB might want to do the exact same thing. <laughs> they, they want to uh, maybe fast-track this Cursed Child thing, and get uh, the Fantastic Beasts franchise over with in the next movie. Yeah, I do not blame them at all. This might end up replacing the Fantastic Beasts franchise, which WB is keen to end after the third movie, is the quote. What, is that word for word in the investor call? Where, where is this blurb coming this, from? So, so this, this is supposedly an insider. This mm. is an insider thing talking about how because so in the investor call, they said that they are working on more Harry Potter projects, right? Yeah, about how they're so excited. <laughs> that they're so excited to keep working with J.K. Rowling. This insider said that one of those projects is Cursed Child and that they are working to get Harry and Ron and Hermione back. Um, and that uh, something like Emma Watson and uh, uh, Daniel Radcliffe are proving kind of difficult to Good. get back. 
apparently, which is great. I I look forward to more drama around that if that's actually happening. So, the, so this could all be bullshit, right? This could absolutely all be bullshit. But I I think this is this is one of those cases where like there is certainly at least some smoke this is not the first time the idea that like maybe they're not going to do all five of these movies has kind of like popped up you know i mean i think that in a a mercenary perspective time is sort of of the essence here Mm -hmm. because if they're dealing with all the jk rowling controversy stuff at the same time that all that their output is is like middling box office i guess i can't Mm -hmm. really say it's a flop because i think grindelwald did make a lot of money um it's it's one of those weird relativity cases where it's like i mean yeah it made more money than anyone listening to this will see in their lifetime right yeah but i I don't think it was a actual loss right no i i I think it did eventually break even yeah Mm -hmm. at least um and maybe made more internationally but yeah so it wasn't it wasn't like uh, 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 a bomb, really. It was more that it was like this was. Hey, this is Harry Potter, and this is making not the money, not Harry Potter money, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that I imagine if I were a WB executive, I would uh, worry about both of those things happening at the same time, and mm-hmm. having the Harry Potter brand as something that you know is your big golden goose, like kind of, kind of slipping through your fingers, which is quite a mixed metaphor, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I think that 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 makes sense. I mean, like the the cursed child thing, we we've said this before, is such a it seems like such a slam dunk for them, right? Sort um, of, right? Like in some yeah. in some ways, it is. Cursed child makes a lot of money. Um, I, I mean, we will find out, but I think it's a pr- pretty weird story. It's a weird story. It's not actually written by J.K. Rowling, um, and it's like you pointed out last time we talked about this it makes a lot of money because the tickets cost 250 dollars right yeah i mean it's a broadway show yeah and so i i wonder if they are looking at those numbers and seeing dollar signs in their eyes whether it might might be a little foolish on their i mean like obviously any harry potter thing is going to make money Anything that is Harry Potter that stars Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson and Rupert Grint, etc., that will probably make more money. Like, it certainly won't um, not make money, but I think if anyone is at WB going, like, this will be the same kind of phenomenon, scale of phenomenon for screen as it is for theater, I, I don't know if that's as big of a, a win as they think it might be. I think the other boon for Cursed Child is it it acts as a very direct sequel. Mm-hmm. People love that shit, right? That yes. it, could, it could, it it has the potentiality of um, the Star Wars sequels mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in in the way that is money, um, <laughs> right? Versus, like, I think that they sort of wanted Grindelwald. Uh, or rather Fantastic Beasts to be a similar sort of thing. Uh, but I think with J.K. Rowling at the helm, um, they suck and are not proving to be that. Yeah. Yeah. You The the, the idea that just putting the Harry Potter name on something is instant success is like being proven wrong in real time with Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. And so I think Cursed Child might not be as safe a bet to pivot to as they might think 
Right. Um, but I mean, who knows? I mean, like if they get the original cast back, that'll at least be something. Um, it's just, I, I'm so excited to read Cursed Child and see like what the actual plot and stuff is and, and like how filmable it is, if that makes sense. Because like what I know about it just broadly is that Harry's barely in it for one thing. Yeah. So even getting them back seems like a weird, I, so I, I'm, maybe they're, if, if, if this is true, and not just like complete bullshit like it is being changed drastically to include them more right um or uh oh and the the other thing is that it's like a time travel story starring harry's son yeah there's like evil cedric in it and like another evil hogwarts and (laughs) uh the death eaters gets like a a marketing manager that redoes all their branding. Yeah, they do all um, the new logos and stuff. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Um, and I don't know that I feel like that's going to, like that's going to feel bad. I think to fans if they if like in the trailer they put like, oh look, all your favorites are here. The golden trio's back, and then the actual movie is like, here's this little kid. Going on a time travel adventure. Well, that's why I say it's going to be like the the Star Wars sequels, because it's like, oh, Han Solo's here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 going to print money to some degree, but but I'd be curious to know how they decide to get there, mm-hmm. um, because uh, that's it. Just doesn't seem it, it doesn't seem like what people want really. Uh, if, if if you're unaware of what Cursed Child is and they announce there's a new Harry Potter movie and you go and see it and you find out that it's mostly about evil Cedric. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, that's And like... Del- Delphine? Is that her Delphine, name? Delphine, yes. The Voldemort's cool daughter with tattoos. When was she born? I guess it must have just been like right before Deathly Hallows ended. Like, during Deathly Hallows? Yeah, Bellatrix must have given birth, but, I mean, like, she dies, right? So she can't, it can't be. Is that her name? Delphine? I think so. Delphine. She sells her bathwater. Voldemort. Yep, that's what came up when I searched that, so, (laughs) wrong. It's it's Delphine, that's why. Delphine, okay. Delphine. Um, known by the nickname Delphi. Okay. When was she born? Hair color, silvery with blue tips, which makes Harry Potter fans just absolutely rabid. <laughs> makes them so angry. <laughs> she sounds cool. She has cool hair, and that makes them so mad. They hate that. That's why Tonks <laughs> died. She had cool hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she did become normal, but um, it was too late. It was too late. Once, once, once a weirdo, always a weirdo. That's the moral of Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, I guess she was a baby when Voldemort and Bellatrix died. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when they had time for that. Voldemort was traipsing about the countryside in Deathly Hallows, so <laughs> I don't know. Not his job to deliver the baby, I guess. That's true. Um, but we saw Bellatrix several times. Yeah, she, that's that's the part. So, like, w- one of our conclusions reading the last ch- chapter was that, like, okay, I'm kind of on board with like Voldemort Bellatrix as like an item, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the thinking about the logistics of Delphine specifically is where it gets a lot fuzzier. I'm I just, curious if she ever says in the play. Like, I mean, I guess oh, like yeah. she could have given birth 
between books six and seven and then would have just been a baby through all of seven. Who was watching her, do you think? Right, like, cause, yeah. Because like, all, the, all the armies got mobilized and Bellatrix was always there. So where mm-hmm. was the baby? Yeah, Bellatrix took no maternity leave as far as we can tell. So someone else had to be watching that baby and it wasn't any named character that we know, assume, assuming... Yeah, I mean, maybe so, we'll find. Well, maybe yeah. we'll find out. We're gonna learn. We'll find we're out. gonna learn a lot. We're gonna learn. We're gonna learn so much. But yeah, there's our movie news for the week. Um, but we've got a long movie to discuss, so I'm gonna take us into our discussion. Sure. Our final Harry Potter movie discussion. Mm-hmm. The eighth Harry Potter movie. Yeah, it is the eighth one, isn't it? <laughs> the incredibly necessary eighth installment of the Harry Potter film franchise. Kind of at the top here. I kind of I, I want to talk about that. Sure. How do you do you think they needed to make eight films? No, I saw a Reddit comment though that was like saying that. Uh, they should have started doing part twos as as early as Goblet of Fire, which is a very funny comment to me. That would make what? I think they were implying that there should have been two films for each book, Goblet of Fire forward. Mm. I So that's funny that they mentioned that because that was the initial plan for a couple of them. Really? Yeah, for the Goblet. I think it was the Goblet movie and maybe Order of the Phoenix the idea was floated. Like, this this should be a two-parter because the Triwizard Tournament is so long. Um, I think that might have been even more bonkers than doing this movie in two parts. Because none of that stuff's important. I mean, I also think the actors would just, they would age out of it. Yeah. Well, that's why, so so that's why this movie was shot back-to-back with the, with the mm-hmm. last one. Um, which is very weird to think about. And, and I guess what, there's an, a little answer here. One of the most striking things about this movie, just like overall to me, aside from it feeling completely unnecessary, yeah, is how different it looks. Yeah, like, like, I, I, I don't know if 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 this really stuck out, but like it, uh, th- like the the last movie felt like it had a lot of natural light and was using a lot of like shaky cam and stuff, and it felt very, I mean, like it was very like of the born era, right? Of like sure doing the, like, naturalistic camera work thing. Mm-hmm. This does not ever feel like that. Yeah, I thought that, I thought part one looked quite nice at some, at some parts. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I specifically am remembering um, one of the scenes where I think Harry and Hermione were camping alone after Ron left, and mm-hmm. it was, like, snowy out, and I think Hermione was, like, um like reading sitting and reading or something and then there's like some other just general like landscape uh settings that they hang out in and i, yeah. and I remember watching it and being like oh i i sort of like the vibe it's like a little cozy it yeah. has a hint of like that harry potter atmosphere that i do appreciate and i wasn't expecting that for part one uh, and and i kind of and i really went into this one thinking it was going to be more of the same Mm-hmm. And it's not. Yeah. Aside from the actors, you know, being the same age. Yeah. Um, the There's not much in this that indicates that it was shot back to back with the first one to me. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that, I suppose, is that um, a big chunk of this movie, rather than being shot on location, was shot uh, at, at uh, the same studio that Fantastic Beasts is being shot at. It was shot on Oh. On sets at a studio on green screen, 
Um, and so I just think instantly there's just a different look that that brings. The camera work is, I mean, th- this is something that drives me crazy throughout this entire movie. Um, every shot that involves like multiple characters is framed in this way where all of them are standing perfectly rigid with their arms at their sides. And like, it'll like cut back and forth between a few like very flat geometric shots of like these characters are just standing and looking at each other. They are doing a lot of standing. In There's this a film. lot of just standing in this film, <laughs> which is a very stark contrast to the last one where it was a lot of uh, walking and hiking and running and, and shaky camp. And it's just, it's a real, uh, real big change. Um, mm-hmm. That I was not expecting. Like, just right off the bat, it is it is a very different and I think much worse looking film. Yeah. Um, so so that that's kind of like the first impression I had. Um, and then the second impression, and this is the, like a broad thing, obviously, was that like it didn't need this didn't need to be its own movie. Uh, and that's, oh, it's I, awful. Yeah, that that is that is going to be a running theme on this episode, I think. But like. The minute that this starts and it's just everyone kind of standing around Shell Cottage getting um, uh, exposition about Wandlore delivered to them, it it becomes abundantly clear that, like, this did not need to exist as a separate thing. This Deathly Hallows could have been one three-hour movie easily. Yeah, I, I think that, like, I, it was really near the end of the Shell Cottage scenes, which are, are obviously the, fir- the first scenes, it, it was a real uh-oh moment for me. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, oh, no, that that is, this is going to be how this goes. Um, and, and we're really just uh, preparing to ramp up to this big battle that's going to happen. Yeah, it is a very strange movie in that it, it wants to keep a lot of very random details in. Um stuff as small as like rattling the bells at the dragon at Gringotts because they do the heist right Mm -hmm. but it all has to like get like run through incredibly quickly and for the first like 30 minutes of the movie I was just like why is this moving so fast why are we like getting through all of the like not that they are great scenes in the book, right? But they are long scenes of, like, <laughs> introspection on Harry's part, right? Yeah. Um, And we are rushing through them to get to a massive battle sequence. Yeah. Uh, And that's just, I mean, like, that that's, like, not a great habit in any movie, I feel. But, like, it's especially weird having just, just come from these books. And, like, Deathly Hallows is a drag. Right. And to some degree, I respect that the filmmakers clearly recognize that, like, yeah, a lot of this stuff is fucking slow. But then by making two movies and just like cramming as many details in, it doesn't make it feel like less of a drag. It just makes it all the weirder that it's just peppered with these little details you remember, but no, uh, or I guess I shouldn't say no, because there are a couple of moments with, with some real improvements, but like not much meat like they didn't choose like order of the phoenix i don't think is a great movie but they made a bold choice by just like cutting a bunch of shit right and being like we're gonna focus on this this story um and that did not happen here i i think the deathly hallows movies are pretty interesting um if only because i can at least 
um, I suppose, respect their choice to not try to make a good movie and instead <laughs> to try to, to I, I mean, I'm like, I'm serious. It is very funny, but I, I do think that they made a deliberate choice to try to make a couple of movies to make fans as not mad as possible. Mm, I see. Right? Because it's like, yeah. okay, so you're sitting down with Deathly Hallows, the book. Is there a good movie in there? Maybe. Mm. Right? I, I think that there's a better movie in there. There is a better one movie in there. If you cut a lot of stuff, you move stuff around, you take a lot of license on the characters and the sequence of things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I think that they knew that that would be a mistake. And I do think it would have been a mistake to sit down and try to make the best movie you could make out of that source material. So they're like, okay, we're just going to make two movies they're going to be in the same sequence of events. We're going to have the characters just rush through the exposition as soon as possible. And we're going to make a movie that the fans are going to like. Yeah. Yeah. I can we're, see it. We're not going to make a movie where they're going to walk away from and be pissed off because, right. you know, Oh, they changed this. That didn't happen in the book. Like on, on and on and on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think fans love this movie, mm. but I don't think it would be the same if they did try to chop up, Deathly Hallows and make it into one good film. Yeah. Or one okay film. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a yeah, that's a good point. Like And they got to make two movies, right? Like that has got <laughs> to be the other the other shoe, <laughs> right. right? Is it's like, okay, pe- like fans will be okay with this, plus we we get the box office sales of two films out of this yeah. one book. Easy yeah. money. Easy money for sure. Yeah, it, I mean, and like it caught I mean it like kicked off a trend, right? Like there are several yeah. more of these franchise movies that became part one and part two. Uh, Twilight did it. Uh, a Breaking Dawn, Hobbit. also a terrible book. Like even <laughs> right. even in, even in like Twilight standards, I I read that whole series. I didn't ever care about it as much as like Harry Potter. Um, but I quit halfway through Breaking Dawn because it was like it was horrible. I I would not be surprised if to Twilight fans, Breaking Dawn is the same. Uh, as like I feel about Deathly Hallows to Harry Potter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's long. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's it's a kind of book that is written in like and then and then and then <laughs> in the same way that Deathly Hallows is. Yeah, this is this is a fan service movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think why that's so funny to me is that like the best moments for in Deathly Hallows, Part One really weren't in the same way um like you think about the the cuts and like the changes that deathly hell's part one made and like the things they made room for right which is like the better version of ron's freak out Mm -hmm. uh where where it's a little more personal and like him and harry feel a little bit more like at odds and 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 less boromiri you know yeah yeah um you get room for the Nick Cave dancing sequence, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which is I just like one of the best additions to the entire series, right? Just like yeah, letting the characters share a moment together. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this movie, it like it piles on every last book detail it can, yeah, and and makes no room for things like that. There are a couple of good choices made in um uh small pieces of scenes right but there is no there's nothing in this movie on that level 
uh, of like the Nick Cave scene, right? Like mm-hmm. no no change, no no um uh, uh addition that like rises to that level and makes use of it being a film in the same way, which is which is makes them being shot back to back so interesting because these two movies could not feel more different, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I want to say that there's no time, and but I don't think that's even true. The battle is so fucking long. Yeah. Um, and, and, but at the same time, um, to me, the movie is long because I don't really like long movies very <laughs> much. But the movie's not actually that long. No, it's, it's two hours. It's two hours on the dot almost. Mm-hmm. There's uh, what ten minutes of credits or something in yeah, one time. Um, yeah. If you told me that the the final Harry Potter movie was two and a half hours or two hours, you know, whatever, pushing three, even that would not be shocking to me. But no, it's just two hours. It was very funny because I I rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy recently, mm-hmm. and and those are all approaching or or eclipsing three hours, right? Oh, en- endless, yeah. <laughs> endless to me <laughs> but like the pacing is such that like it makes use of that time sure. right like like there are long scenes of dialogue there are scenes that are just like uh uh like an, uh, you know an introspective scene where we spend a long time in one location right and and that is the kind of thing I would expect. And yet Tom Bombadil is cut. They, uh, and yet. And yet. They, <laughs> they couldn't find room for our boy Tom. Mm-hmm. But um, you, you might expect that cutting Harry Potter into two movies would allow for more stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If this was if this was two two hour movies that just had a lot of breathing room for new stuff like that. Like like the Deathly Hallows Part One dancing scene, I I would probably defend that decision. Sure. If you if if you told me, hey, the choices between two two hour movies where we get to take some time with these characters, or one three hour movie that rushes through everything, I'd be like, okay, I get it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Instead, we get uh two two hour movies that uh just feel like. They're unrelated. Like one one takes some time, and the other one just rushes through everything that they didn't manage to fit into the first one. Yeah, like that's the that's like the prevailing feeling of this one is that it's like making up for like the time quote unquote wasted on on the changes in the first film. Mm-hmm. So with that kind of broad reaction out of the way, let's uh, let's get into the movie, shall we? Sure. Um. We start with a very dramatic scene of Voldemort opening the tomb, and he gets the Elder Wand. I, I could not figure out if it was a, like, last time on Harry Potter, or if these were new scenes. I still I, don't know. I think I think it's a mix of both, because the last movie ended with, like, the big uh, uh, pointing the wand at the sky and the lightning flying out thing. But I think that we got some new shots of the Dumbledore cube tomb here, mm-hmm. perhaps. Wonderful. Uh, but it really sets the stage here because the the uh, after after Dumbledore after Dumbledore's wand is stolen, um, we get a shot of what Hogwarts looks like now, and it's uh, it's 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 in the dark and it's mm. spooky and there's new Dementor designs flying around everywhere. It feels like a trailer. Uh, yeah. at the beginning here, which is a very odd way to start a film. Um, 
but then we are immediately thrust back to Shell Cottage and Dobby's grave, and uh, we we are kind of bombarded, honestly, with uh, with exposition, like just just to get to get this shit out of the way, right? Is kind of the prevailing feeling here. Yeah, they went they went with a um, tacky Airbnb design for Shell Cottage. I noticed <laughs> Shell, Shell Cottage. I love the interpretation of Shell Cottage. It's just like it's a cottage with shells everywhere. It, it literally is the way like an over decorated Airbnb looks, though. Is it's like we're going to come up with a gimmick, and you just yeah. like, way way overdo it. Yeah. Have you seen like any of the Harry Potter Airbnbs you can find in England that are like wow? Oh, this, of course. It's like the common room. Yeah. Th- those <sighs> yeah. are those are all over the place. But yeah, it's it's immediately a very boring i mean like i guess honestly probably exactly what jk rowling envisioned right everyone is standing everyone is standing but like i i was just like i don't know it's called shell cottage it's a fantasy series maybe it's made out of a shell that'd be kind of cool or like cute like the the walls are covered in shells rather it's just like no maybe they call it that because it's on a beach (laughs) right it could just be a normal cottage (laughs) but but yeah the it is it is immediately off kilter, uh, like like just really, really, really sets me off my like set me like off my guard with this film. Is we are in the cottage, and everyone is standing, like you say, mm-hmm. arms at their sides, perfectly <laughs> straight, declaring what is happening. Everyone's miserable, and like yeah, of course, Dobby's just died. We're all devastated. Mm-hmm. But Floor and Bill are just standing, and they're like, "This is a safe house for the order, or what's we, left of it." But our cousin had this house, and they gave it to us as a safe house. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then Harry says his first line of the film: "I must speak with the goblin." <laughs> and this is a uh, a writing tactic that they use a lot in this film that I like. I, I get it. I get that, like, a lot of dialogue and stuff in fantasy and, like, especially Harry Potter is, like, maybe a little goofy sounding to say out loud when, especially when you're being serious, right? But we're seven, eight, we're eight movies, in fact, in at this point. Mm-hmm. The amount of, like, recontextualizing all of the terms as, like, the goblin, the sword, the wand... The, like it, it, it is very self-serious and like trying to sound naturalistic and like I, 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 I respect the choice. I don't agree with it, right? Like, sure. Like it is. I mean, a, we're in part two of the last movie. Like I don't know. I think we're on board with the <laughs> wand and the sword and the goblin. Ex- exactly. Like I know what I know what all these terms are. You can say them. I'm not embarrassed to be here. Right. It's like when they call the Hulk the green guy in every Marvel movie. <laughs> it's like just say the Hulk. It's. Do they say that? Oh my God! Yeah. They'll. they'll Who? Like in, in random people or in every Marvel movie, they will like go to any lengths to avoid saying the actual superhero names wait why it's really weird i don't know that's who they are that's (laughs) their names right i I, it's it's a very strange thing but yeah they will like iron man will call the hulk the green guy uh everyone calls iron man tony no i'm not kidding everyone calls captain america cap yeah it's very weird huh they just they will just go out of their way. Why? Because to... they think it's embarrassing. That's that's the vibe it gives off to me. 
But it's the it's, that's the Hulk. You that know? is the Hulk. He is he that's is Iron Man. Point at the screen. Say that's Iron Man. <laughs> that's I Iron know him. Man. I know that guy. That's Iron Man. Right. <laughs> okay. But th- this movie has a lot of that right off the bat because the the scene with Harry and Griphook cuts a lot of their um, their conversation down. Uh, they sort of like ominously refer to Dobby as the elf as well. Um, yeah, rude. Uh, yeah, very rude. Um, but this is where the first big change comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is one that I think that starts for the better and ends for the worse. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is uh, not making Harry evil here. Yeah. Harry. Instead. Instead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the other shoe will drop on that eventually. Um, but, uh, you know, he, Harry is like, uh, I need you to get us into Gringotts because there's a Horcrux there. And, and Griphook says, uh, what, what, what will you give me? Harry says, I have gold. This also made me a little, mm, um, uh, and, and Griphook says, I'm not interested in gold. He, rather than saying, I want the sword, he points at it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, just refusing to say sword of Gryffindor, um, and then we cut to like their kind of clandestine conversation huddling afterwards, and Hermione's like, Well, how are we gonna destroy the Horcrux if we don't have the sword? And Harry's like, Well, I didn't think that far ahead. So Harry willingly agreed to give Griphook the sword here. Yeah, he's it just seems. kind of he's just kind of improving his plan here. He doesn't have like a double cross yeah. weird thing going on. Which I think is a good choice. I I I like it when Harry is not objectively evil you know mm-hmm. um but this 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 choice change will come back to bite us in the ass here yeah so they then start the heist we see helena bottom carter pretending to be emma watson pretending to be with Hel- emma watson's voice yes that is the weirdest change i don't understand why they did this because is it so we don't get confused? Because that's the only. Because I know that they did this in the other heist. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, I mean, I guess they had to be consistent, right? Because in yeah. the first heist, they were characters we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit like, oh, they don't want us to be confused. Um, which already is like a little bit condescending, in my opinion. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but then in this one, um, Rupert is still Rupert in yeah. this scene and Hermione transforms into Helena Bonham Carter. So I think I could probably keep track and Harry <laughs> is Harry. <laughs> but, but also like th- this is a really, this was an eye opener for me because I think next to the scene where McGonagall summons all the statues, mm-hmm. I think the number one Deathly Hallows part two like praise that you see yeah is isn't it delightful when helena bonham carter pretends to be emma watson pretending to be helena bonham carter no this might be a taste thing but i thought it was terrible it was not it it was not very good but i do think a big part of that is that we don't actually get to hear helena bonham carter pretend to be emma watson pretending to be helena bonham carter like sure that is straight up not what happens here we get to see her acting badly more than usual. Yeah, and because she doesn't get to talk, she has to overact every single scene and, like, 
yeah. camera takes a really weird angle. It's awful. Yeah, it, it's just it, it it's played for comedy, which is fine, but like it it there's not really any tension because of it and also like the the gimmick that we are being presented with, like look at this actress pretending to be someone else isn't actually happening because right. it's all it's all voiceover. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's a, a immediately a huge bummer. They go they go to Gringotts. Gringotts is now a normal bank with normal cops. Yeah, what's up with the normal cops? They are just normal, like, muggle policemen. Uh, yeah. But with the Gringotts logo on their hat. It's very funny. Ron is the one who does Imperio this time. Wait, really? I think I thought, so. I thought it was Harry under the cloak. I. Oh, yes, it's... it's Wait. They both do it. It's Harry it the first time. Yeah, yep. it's Harry the first time. Yes, so Harry does one Imperio. Also, it's a stinky green gas. Imperio is a stinky gas. Uh-huh. And it also is not, like, mind control. It seems more like it just makes you stupid. It's uh, just like laughing gas. They get, like, high or something. Yeah, it's a very odd interpretation. I mean, like, again, played for laughs, which I think about Imperio is a very weird thing. Um, but then they get to go on the Gringotts minecart level. Yeah, they do. This fucking blew my mind because <laughs> this, this video game. This is this literally is the minecart level that we played. Yeah. Um, like I, when when the first movie came out, there was a little bit of like a cart ride thing. Yeah. But it was not as like twisty and 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 goofy as as the video game portrayed it. This was straight up the PS one game. Like they're spinning around, they're going through tunnels, they're collecting the coins very funny stuff a question mm. is it only like old families that have old vaults in the mines or does every single person who goes to like withdraw money from their bank account do they have to go on the mine cart <laughs> i don't know actually that's I a just, good question I, I think i maybe said this one in like the very first book um Gringotts scene but if I lived in this world I would simply not be able to have a bank account because I would not do this I don't like rides <laughs> You're so not a roller coaster fan no I it would be very annoying to have to do this every time you needed money yeah like do you have to do this every weekend if you want some cash for like right, going on the, the town other thing is that, the, is that literally all Wizarding World transactions are all in cash too mm-hmm. yeah there's no just there's, a disaster there's no wizard credit as far as we know um there's almost a change here like there was because because we were watching this simultaneously and kind of chatting back and forth there was a comment i was about to send you that i had to delete because when they went through the um uh the like the thief's downfall or whatever the waterfall is called right Mm -hmm. and they fall down the they have the goblin with them who is Imperioed and not the guy. Like yeah. not not the not the, the Death Eater guy. Yeah. Um and he woke up and because like in, in the in the book they just like say, okay, go stand in the corner, right? Yeah. Uh and here they have the Imperioed person with them on the on the minecart and then had the that guy fall down with them. And I was like, oh, is that guy going to like be the reason that this plan falls through? And no. They just Imperio him again. This is Ron's Imperio here. Yeah. Yeah, um, they're just throwing him around. Throwing throwing Imperios around. And uh this is this is Chekhov's stinky 
fart gas here. Yeah. Because this this will pay this will pay off big time in a few. <laughs> um because they get they have to go past the fucking dragon, they shake the, the noisemakers at him, they go to the vault, they fight through the oblivion items that are duping, they get that so this this all plays out like the book. Uh mm-hmm. almost too directly, honestly. Um But then Grip Hook uh says give me the cup and then he starts running away he said i never never said i'd let you out of of gringotts i said i'd get you in but i never said i'd get you out haha haha he he uh and he just takes the sword and and the cup and starts running away um but uh drops the i can't even fucking remember the exact sequence of events here because it doesn't really matter what matters is that uh he is evil and taking it to voldemort uh yeah um uh and well well i guess i guess we i guess we can debate that i don't know if he's literally taking it to Voldemort, but that that that's the that's the upshot here um and then uh on the way out before they get to ride the dragon out ron just kills that goblin that he has mind controlled yeah this is the weirdest shit uh it's played for a joke Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a good time to talk about how weird the jokes in this movie are. Sure. What's with the... This has a very strange sense of humor. It does. I mean, it's just like... Sort of family action movie sense of humor, mm-hmm. I guess. Where it's like, you don't really... You don't really care about the stormtroopers getting shot. Mm-hmm. But that's never been the Harry Potter vibe, I don't think. Right. And also that guy, like, wasn't a stormtrooper, you know? <laughs> like, he was a... Well, no, the goblins are evil in this. <laughs> that's true, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, period. A... That That's that's all. I mean, like, yeah. the Gringotts is the only place that we see just, like, operating normally under, like, the evil, um, the evil ministry in this mm-hmm. movie. And like Hogwarts has become evil, but Gringotts is exactly the same. It just has more normal plainclothes cops everywhere. Yeah, I mean Gringotts is is like firmly in the evil category in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the goblins are made more evil in this movie. Yeah. Um, and that's that's it. I mean, the heroes are in the right because the goblins are evil, period. Yeah, well, because the, the 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 thing that is odd about it is that it is it is framed as like just desserts for this goblin because of what what has been done to the dragon. Because Yeah, the dragon cruelty is really, really played up here. I mean, it was in the book too, but it's sort of a different thing when you like fully animate this like abused dragon, like cringing away from yeah. uh, the bells and stuff. But the thing that's weird about it is that the 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 thing that happens here where they explain, oh, it's trained to expect pain when it hears the sound, which very funny to just again just say that out loud. Uh, <laughs> really little faith in the audience here. Um, so they're they're ringing they're ringing the bell, but it's like framed as if like that goblin is responsible for it directly. Yeah, which and like he can't be because for one thing he's imperioed in this scene, and so like he's just like a, a comedy guy here. Yeah, but also like like yeah, he's just the desk guy. 
Like he's not he's he's not the one who came up with like we're gonna put a fucked up sad dragon down here. I mean, I think the implication is they all are right. Like yeah, I mean, they're that, all in that, on that it. That is they what love... the movie is trying to tell us, right? Is it's the evil goblins and they all cooked up this evil plan and they yeah. all abused this dragon. Like yeah. I, I I don't think this is operating on like oh the teller d- didn't do this. It's like <laughs> the teller definitely did. This. <laughs> he he loves this. He loves that there's yeah. a sad dragon. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little, a little, a little uncomfortable, shall we say, given uh, all the stuff with goblins in this series. Yeah, it's tough because it's like it is better that Harry's not just evil, but then it's like, ah, oh, when, when you think about the book, I don't think the book wanted us to think he was evil either. Mm-hmm. But then here, their solution to that problem <laughs> yeah. that they perceived was to make the goblins unambiguously very <laughs> evil. So yeah. Uh, so the dragon says, thank you for rescuing me, and they fly away. Just like in the theme park. Just like in the theme... Oh my god, did you catch the, the like, obviously for 3D shot where the dragon, like, lunged directly at the camera, too? Oh yeah, definitely. That, that was very funny. So, this, this is almost playing out word for word like the book. They jump into the lake. Harry has a vision of Voldemort going sicko mode on his followers. He's realized that Harry is after the Horcruxes. And this is where, like, we talked about the camera work being very boring in this film compared to the first one. This is the one scene where I feel like someone said, like, hey, everyone is just standing in this movie. Can we do something a little different? And their solution was, what if the camera was spinning for, like, a solid (laughs) five minutes while this exposition dump is happening? Yep. That is, this is one of the most, like, just thinking of, like, iconic shots in Harry Potter, I don't think there are very many, right? Um, But for me, uh, Harry and Ron and Hermione all, like, getting undressed and redressed while the camera spins around them, and they, like, (laughs) explain the entire plot of of the Horcrux uh, uh, and Deathly Hallows thing to each other is up there for just, like, absolutely... Like this is a Harry Potter special. No other movie could do something like this. It's so it's it's very funny when these like really rushed exposition things happen because it's like I understand that they felt like they had to do it, but also if you don't already know, it's just gonna be complete nonsense to you. It is. I I cannot imagine what watching this movie was like for movie only people. It it makes no sense. Yeah. It's like I I you have no hope. Like there's a there's like a quick shot of Voldemort going like. When the cup gets uh, broken, and Harry's like, "Oh, he knows. He knows that we're after the Horcruxes." And then, as the camera is like spinning around them, and I'm getting dizzy, they are they are just running through the like. He is going to go to Hogwarts. He probably has the Elder Wand. He was looking for the like. He, they just the checklist. Like here is here is what Voldemort is doing now. Um, very hard to follow if you have not read this book. I mean, honestly, like, I don't blame... I mean, it's funny that they even tried, right. because I think between the Horcruxes and the Deathly Hallows, like, I just read this book, and it's still just kind of nonsense <laughs> to me. The things that they cut out of those explanations are at least good. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, they, they've... Like, it's a double-edged sword, for sure, and this, and this scene is one of the, like, the bad aspects of them trying to rush through a lot of this stuff. Um, but we do, however, get a nice scene of, uh, Voldemort showing up at Gringotts 
and killing all of the goblins and cops and 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 whatever um but we get his bloody feet and it is one of the funny like that was one of the funniest transitions i've ever seen in a movie like i knew we were in for it when it cut to voldemort's bare feet walking through some blood i'm like oh hell yeah here like, we go like the <laughs> just cutting from this spin like dizzying shot of of all of the the trio getting dressed to here's Voldemort's feet and they are covered in blood. Yeah. What? Oh, happened? Yeah. It, like Oh, yeah. <laughs> what happened? There's a lot of very violent stuff in this film. I said this in Goblet of Fire, but um Voldemort needs those um Deathly Hallows slides. Oh, yeah. Yes, he does. I guess he'd be slip sliding all over the place. <laughs> In those. Probably don't have very much traction. It is very funny to me how this movie has a lot of, like, extra brutality in it that, like, doesn't really come from anywhere specific in the book. Like, there's a lot of death in this book. But, like, the violence wasn't, or at least non-magical violence didn't really factor into it, other than, like, Harry seeing a lot of blood in the final battle, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And... The the places it manifests are very funny because this movie explicitly does not make the battle bloody. Oh, the violence that manifests on Voldemort's feet. Yeah, it's it's it, it it's like Voldemort's feet are really bloody. Snape's death, <laughs> which we'll get to, is very bloody. There's oh, it's a, so violent. Yeah, there's a lot of really violent stuff in this film, but like not the big battle that was uh, the one extremely violent part of the book. Yeah, um, like, I don't know, like, in in battles, right, like, battle scenes in films, mm-hmm. there's lots of, like, it'll be, like, two guys fighting, and then one will get stabbed. There's none of that. Yeah, no. There, the, the battle, when we, <laughs> I can't wait to get to the battle. It is so stupid. Um, luckily, it's most of the movie, so we're not far off from that. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, Voldemort, I guess, like, kicked a bunch of people, or... Uh, I don't know. Uh, do you use, did he cut him up? Did he use sword spell, perhaps? Perhaps. Uh, he he seems to have a new power in this film too, which we'll discuss. Where he can like cut people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't he know. cuts people a lot. Yeah, I'm not sure what. I mean, maybe he's... it was sword spell. Like maybe maybe that's how it went. Like Snape was like, "Master, check this out," mm, and then mm-hmm. and then and then he was like, "Whoa, cool spell." <laughs> Because you showed me the cool spell you made, I'm going to teach you a cool spell. And he taught Snake (laughs) how to fly. fly. They traded. Fair trade, I guess. It's like Pokemon cards. That's right. Um, So then then we're in Hogsmeade. I'm, yeah. looking at, I'm looking at my notes went, like, did I miss something? And no, we I didn't. This is how fast this movie moves. The Harry Potter alarms are going off. Weird. It's like a cat yelling. Wee woo, Harry Potter is here. Um then uh Aberforth invites them into into his 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 uh his bar. Harry notices the mirror, he puts it all together, it's like, oh, it's you, it's you who sent Dobby after. Which sure us. made me go like, why? put that in at all because it's again very confusing yeah because he says oh mundungus fletcher sold it to me it's it's these sorts of things that are what kind of uh, fed into my idea of this being uh, a 
not making fans mad at us movie because <laughs> there's just no reason for this detail to be in here right. and it makes no sense yeah really because i don't think anyone was asking after the last movie why dobby showed up i i, I think that like having the mirror there makes sense in that like if they if they're going to put sirius's mirror in this then sure l- l- let it be the reason why uh why dobby showed up i i suppose did the, did the movies ever establish that it's sirius's mirror i earnestly don't remember okay uh i think maybe yes i think we do see that in, in movie five i think the mirror is important in that movie still okay but the part that i don't understand and that, that really does just feel like an extraneous like for the fans detail is the mundungus conversation about it yeah. Like, no one's asking about Mundungus. That's for fucking sure. And again, <laughs> very, very, like, little faith in the audience to put that together. Because yeah. Mundungus appeared uh, in uh, this the last movie. Dobby and Creature brought him, and he said, oh, I've been selling stuff from the house, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you can put that stuff together easily without having the characters have a full conversation about, like, yes, Mundungus sold me this mirror. <laughs> like, just really, really laying the details on a little too thick. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I think I really like the Aberforth changes. Mm. Or at least I appreciate, one, I think it's a great casting choice uh i don't remember who it is but he is i think he is a perfect uh perfect aberforth um, yeah he is uh, uh uh grumpy and uh a little drunken i guess is kind of the vibe i got like nothing about goats yeah no goat stuff um but the thing that i i really appreciate about is is that he seems genuinely wounded about dumbledore's behavior Mm-hmm. in a way that didn't like it felt it felt a lot less calculated and a lot more like a fresh open wound to him here mm-hmm. uh the things he's saying to harry about albus are very raw um in a way that it didn't really feel like in in you know because he, he he gave a very like rehearsed long speech about the ariana stuff here and yes. here that is reduced to just one line which is that like uh, uh, he's you know he sacrificed a lot of things, including her, which I yeah. think is I think is a much better way to like, like unfortunately I've read the book so I know that it's alluding to a bunch of dumb bullshit, right? But that's an an ambiguous enough line where if I that this one of the advantage like the few advantages maybe a movie only watcher could have where there's many interpretations to that, right? Like, like mm-hmm. what does that mean? Why does that mean so much to this guy, et cetera, et cetera? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a well-written conversation, at least. Um, yeah. Uh, in a way that gets around some of the, the problems, or <laughs> the, the, just how fucking boring that scene could have been, I guess. Yeah, I, I just think it's, like, totally okay for it to be ambiguous and, and, and have, have the fact of the matter be that Dumbledore has, has hurt some people because of his actions and not having a literal, like, answer to what those actions exactly. were. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's one of the, the few moments in this where I feel like, ah, oh, we got, we got some real screenwriting here, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that won't last because Neville's here. Neville's here. Neville's here. 
we joked about the Minecraft tunnel thing. Minecraft tunnel real. Minecraft tunnel to Hogwarts. It is literally just a straight line. Mm-hmm. They just walk through this tunnel. The DA is there. And I want to give you a little runway here. Mm. Tell me all about cringe movie. I hate to talk about cringe, but this movie is. Like, I don't know what happens. It's like we get past this, like, intro sequence of, like, the cottage and Aberforth, and we walk through the Minecraft tunnel, and literally, like, a third of the movie right before we get to, like, war movie stuff is so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It's so embarrassing. Every, like, they, they there's a lot of clapping, a lot of, like... Oh, Harry's here. Everyone stands up and claps. It cuts to like the the resistance podcast, and I think it's maybe Colin Creevy on the on the horn. There is like lightning has struck. Repeat, lightning has struck, and it's just it might be because I'm just like not as invested as they assume people watching this are. But it's just like I had to hide my face a few times. Oh, it's the, it's the part specifically where like the John Williams theme plays. Ugh, yeah. Which 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 was kind of hit me t- in two ways, which is one completely saccharine like the, yeah the, the neville neville like smirks at the crowd and they're like hope you haven't brought us aberforth's cooking that would be cringe and he like does a little face and like steps aside to reveal harry and it plays the theme which is like one just incredibly corny but also a real stark reminder of how much better the music used to be <laughs> like yeah like in this moment, Neville is like, hey, remember when there were, like, themes and motifs in this soundtrack? Here's Harry's. Uh, and then then we're back to the uh, uh, fake trailer music that most of the rest of the movie has. I just don't think that you can have... You didn't earn this, like, Harry coming back after blowing up the Death Star moment that it tries to have before yeah, the battle. Right, it's before the battle. And, and and the thing is, too, is that the movie immediately realizes this and pivots and turns the the bit where... I mean, like, this was the worst chapter in the book, maybe. Um, which is saying a lot. But, like, when when they exit the Minecraft tunnel... And everyone is like, all right, what's the plan? And Harry doesn't really have one, but he, well, he doesn't have one. He does have one, but he can't tell anyone in the book, right? And so everyone's pissed yeah. at him. That sucked. They've changed it here to just he literally has no plan. Yeah. Um, And so they pivot immediately from, like, the the, the returning hero uh, addressing addressing his people to just immediately... Uh, everyone, it's it turning into, like, this farce where Harry is like, all right, uh, here's the plan. I don't have a plan, and you might as well have put, like, crickets chirping in the background. Like, it's, it's so, it's just cutting back and forth between, uh, Harry being like, I can't answer that question, and the crowd just looking at him like, duh, right? Like, it's, it's very, they play this for comedy, and... And I, I hate it. It's just it's just full of groaners. Like I it, it just felt like a nonstop groaning for me until the bat like at this point to the battle. Like at some point during his speech, like Ginny runs up and is like, Harry, and he he's oh like God. looks and it's just like, please stop. Yeah, Ginny Ginny gets done dirty in this movie. Oh yeah. Uh in 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 every scene she's in. I see why people don't like her in these movies. Yeah. Um, it's not her fault, honestly. No. I, I think Bonnie Wright is a completely serviceable actress. 
probably how would we ever how would we know (laughs) right exactly yeah the material she's given is so awful and sparse she had no chance um she had to do that fucking shoelace scene yeah like yeah just just there's nothing on that level in this at least but like she is you sent me that article last night um that was like the interview with jk rowling about the making of this movie and how important like the gender representation was to her Mm -hmm. which is very funny because the quote was something like it was very important to me that like the girls got something to do in the battle and it like yeah and i'm like you you wrote the book like you you in the book you wrote that one nobody wanted to let Ginny do anything and two the battle was like gender segregated just just the 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 gall <laughs> to write this book yeah. give none of the characters anything to do and then to do an interview after the movie where you're like I had to really fight to make sure the women weren't marginalized in this movie you you fucking wrote it yeah you wrote it yeah. What? The, yeah, she you, she wrote the book. The women don't have anything to do in the book. And the thing that Ginny gets to do in this film, which is be... Like, like, granted, like, it is very classic, boring, damsel in distress stuff, right? Like, she runs into the frame and says, Harry! And then, like, they, they can't do anything. Or she gives him a kiss right before he goes off to do the big heroics. Right, and I think the uh, frustration for a lot of people is, like... That could be other characters who are more like she's like taking screen time from anyone we care about. Yeah, that's not her fault. No, no, it's not her fault at all. But it, it, it I, I totally understand why people don't appreciate movie Ginny. Is is that she is just she has nothing to do in these, but she she appears to to just yell Harry's name and stuff. It's a real bummer. Um, it it's uh it's especially weird too because. She's not the only Weasley who's just hanging around. Uh, this is our first scene where we get Molly, too. Because yeah. Harry's plan here is rather than do the tower heist thing mm-hmm. with Luna, he he uh, uh, decides to, I guess, hang out for the day. Yeah. And then go to one of Snape's assemblies. <laughs> which Snape's evil Snape's assembly evil assembly which one of my favorite dumb confused metaphors here is that uh-huh. the children all have to goose step their way to these uh these assemblies which is like hang on they're not the sol- they're, th- those aren't the nazi soldiers <laughs> Those are the kids. Like, yeah, it's it's sort of like the same issue. I mean, the problem is like the politics in this are so naive and stupid. Yeah, and it's like the same thing where it's like the ministry is suddenly you know it's it's the Nazi ministry and it's like well why is Arthur working there? Yeah, um, and then it's like Hogwarts is evil Hogwarts, so it's now like the Hitler Youth, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very it's a very funny because they're just stormtrooper marching everywhere. Yeah. Um. And uh, anyway, they, so they they march into this assembly. Snape starts saying like, "I believe Harry Potter is here." He's um, so good. He's fucking great in this. Honestly, he's got <laughs> hilarious. He's, he's doing the Snape thing 
at about 300% of what he did the last time he was in the movies. Yeah. Um, and they've also given him some lovely makeup in this film. They did. He's got some He's got some very sharp eyeliner and, mm-hmm. and kind of a smoky eye that he's never yeah. really had before. He was looking sharp. I know. I feel like they did that to him to try to make him look like um, aggrieved or something, yeah. but it doesn't. It just looks like he's just been really uh, going all out. He's. I support him. He it has lo- like he- the opposite effect that I think they were going for. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he looks like he's at the top of his game here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Harry steps out from the crowd and is like, "I'm Spartacus. I'm, yeah, I'm right here. Your your school has a little bit of uh of a security problem. Another epic line here." But then the rest of the DA show up, too. Yeah, and the Order of the Phoenix? Does Kingsley walk in? Kingsley... Or is that later? No, yeah, yes. Yeah, so Harry steps forward, then the DA all step forward, and then Kingsley and Molly and, and McGonagall and everyone are there because the we we are going to see a lot of Molly in this film. Mm, not Just here. standing, huh? <laughs> We're not going to hear much from her. But hey, she's, Molly. She's, just standing? <laughs> she's, okay. <laughs> There's... So this this quote from J.K. Rowling about how, you know, I had to fight really hard to uh, to make sure that the, you know, the women got something to do in this battle. First of all, very funny, just given that it's being adapted from a battle she wrote um, <laughs> where they didn't get much to do. But also, I can imagine, I like, this is a little bit of projection just based on uh, how difficult I, I kind of assume J.K. Rowling to be to work with, right? Mm-hmm. But I could see the real version of that conversation easily being something like J.K. Rowling being like, um, we need to have Molly in more of these scenes. And everyone going, okay, why? And she says, because it's important for her to be there. Why? Well, she should be there. Why? Like, there's no... She's not doing anything in any of these scenes. She's there a lot. Like, I cannot yeah. understate how much of this is like shots of McGonagall yeah. like at the front of a crowd of people with like Molly standing to her right <laughs> one step behind. She looks <laughs> she looks like green screened into the movie. Like you know you know how like some like theme parks or or, or, or like uh even just like you know fun centers or whatever they'll have those like machines where it's like oh put yourself in the movie right like like the, the, I mean, the wizarding world museum thing has one where it's like here you sure insert yourself into the movie that's what this feels like because all she's doing <laughs> is like standing next to important characters and looking at them and like vaguely concerned, right? There's there's this the one with McGonagall that cracked me the fuck up, which is when McGonagall um, right after this, walks out into the yard to start casting, like, the protective spells, right? Mm-hmm. And she gives that cool monologue where she's like, all right, to, you know, make the bubble shield, do this, do that, and and I will cast Locomotor or whatever to get the statues going. And Molly is, like, right next to her that entire time, <laughs> looking directly up at her. It looks like the the E3 2010 Konami thing, where that guy was standing right behind <laughs> the Silent Hill announcer. Uh-huh. Like, she's not saying anything. She's not contributing. Well, I guess she points her wand in the air for the bubble shield. But Everyone like, does, though. But, like, <laughs> McGonagall is, like, 
giving her leadership speech at the top of the stairs and molly is just like right up in her grill like looking at her like why is she there she's not saying anything see so i i think it's either that like jk rowling pushed to have her there or my other theory is that steve cloves like read the book and had the same reaction we did, which was, why is Molly Weasley at the climax of this <laughs> book with having nothing to do? Yeah. And then just wrote her, because you can't just have Molly Weasley, like, pop out of nowhere first time we've seen her the entire movie and get to be in the climax of the film. Right. 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 Because So I'm like, did he just write her in so that we would, like, have, like, face recognition? Yeah, it, it, I mean, like, the thing is, is that the reason that Molly shows up in the the book, right, is to say, not my daughter, you bitch. Yeah. Because there is a subplot where she doesn't want Ginny to fight. But that conversation yeah. doesn't happen in this film. And so Molly is just, like, around. like She's just standing. She's just standing. I need to go. I'll maybe, I've still got some time on my rental. I'm going to go and screen cap all of the Molly parts. Oh, she, it's so funny. Because she's just standing around in all these scenes and she has nothing to do. She doesn't even get anything to say, I don't think. No. I don't think she gets to be like, anything would be better. Like, I will be at the front to help or something but no she's just standing yeah um just so it's been, we'll a, been a while her. since i cast some of these spells so i don't know just say Wait, does her... she say that or does no i'm just suggesting she could like say an action movie one-liner you know i like, feel like someone did anything. say that though <laughs> it was when mcgonagall summoned the statues uh, yeah and then she's like i haven't used that spell in a while she, no she's like i've always wanted to use that oh. spell which is did did you I've always wanted to, like, summon an army to protect- I've always wanted war at my school. <laughs> I've always wanted war to happen at my school. <laughs> uh, I do think that in that interview with J.K. Rowling, the specific thing that she um, mentions that she had to push for uh, is literally a strictly worse change. Um, she says that she had, because they were originally, I guess, going to have Harry fight Snape. Yeah. And she was like, no, women are being marginalized and made McGonagall do it. <laughs> right. Um, which I, I understand, like, in the book, McGonagall fights Snape in, like, the hallway or whatever. But Harry isn't there in the... F or no, Harry is there because after the Caro Net Ravenclaw Tower hijinks. Yeah. So that was all cut. Yeah. But I'm like, again, like the same problem I have with the book and what I assume is the same change that Steve Cloves tried to make is we don't have any kind of personal uh, feeling about the McGonagall Snape fight. Right. So I definitely see how he like tried to change it and be like, okay, let's have the two characters that have like a personal beef with each other fight. And then to have to know that she stepped in and was like, no, 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 no. No, no. We need these two 80-year-old actors to stand, <laughs> like, 20 feet apart and shoot CGI goo at each other. And don't get me wrong. I love McGonagall. Yeah. I love that actress. But I'm like, I'm not invested in the McGonagall-Snape fight. Yeah. I can see why she hates these movies now. Yeah. She, she... She's, like, wrong about everything. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I mean the actress, uh, Maggie Smith. Oh, sh- Ma- does she? Yeah, Maggie Smith hates the Harry Potter movies. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't hate might be a strong word, but like, she was in. There was an interview with her a couple years ago, or maybe even more recently, where because she's she's still doing like stage acting. Yeah, and she hasn't really been doing film since it was like like because she did Harry Potter and Downton Abbey. Yeah, back to back, basically. Oh, here we go. They weren't satisfying to her. I'm deeply <laughs> grateful for the work in Harry Potter and Downton Abbey, but it wasn't what you'd call satisfying. I didn't really feel I was acting in those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Just, just, like, and it's like, yeah, true. Like, she just kind of had to stand there and, like, look authoritative, right? Like, not really, not really doing much work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Molly Molly does a lot of standing next to McGonagall on this. It's very Yeah, I just I just think that if like you're upset about like the women in your story not having like a story, the answer is not just to like shove random women characters to do random stuff. Like it's just right. the, the the McGonagall Snape face off is not satisfying. I don't I don't care about whatever their personal shit is. Yeah them, I don't I don't know it. Them getting a fight does not make up for them not having a story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean that that's I mean that's the fucking uh, I keep on bringing up Avengers stuff here, but I guess it does really fit with Harry Potter as a blockbuster and all. But like that's why people got mad at the like We'll take it from here, boys. Scene in 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 the Avengers, right? Where it's like, what are you talking about? Like you've barely been characters. Like, right? You can't. You like this doesn't make up for that, right? Um, I mean, I when at the at that point at the at the evil assembly when Harry's like, okay, let's throw down. Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, yeah, right? Because we have this history between these two characters this whole time, and literally at the point where McGonagall like steps out in front of him, it's like. I don't know. It's I was just like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. I was I was ready to see see the the epic showdown. Yeah. Yeah, like I I regardless of them like both being like white male characters or whatever, they are the characters that have backstory in this context, right? Like they right. they have the strongest connection and like too late to fix that now, right? Um uh oh speaking of uh, uh representation the irish kid can blow stuff up oh yeah haha uh that's really funny um and uh they, they make the bubble shield Th- meanwhile a huge army is amassing on... it is a huge army and this is not the only huge army we're going to see there are two huge armies somehow um one of them is the first one we see which is voldemort and his buddies um, and they are all standing on this cliff. They're watching the bubble shield happen. They're watching the statues, uh, and they are—they're getting ready to to charge. Um, uh, meanwhile, Harry decides, "I've got to go. I've got right. I've got to go find this this item." Yeah. Um, he runs into Ron and Hermione. This is a change that I do like, although it does reveal, um. Uh, uh, like, like, like you pointed out that like how how silly this sequence is. But mm-hmm. Harry or Hermione and Ron do catch Harry in the hall and are like, "We're also gonna go look for object." Yeah, because uh, we remembered that Basilisk Fang can destroy object. Yep. Um, and so so they actually get to do that on screen rather than just like coming later and saying they did it, which I think is a a good idea. Yeah, a partial disaster though. Yeah. 
It kind of puts a spotlight on it, huh? It, it yes, it it's a it's a well-meaning idea that reveals how silly the subplot was to begin with, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but Harry goes to talk to the ghost and I think this one is maybe the strongest change. Yeah. So he he goes to look for the object and Luna says, "Didn't you didn't you listen? Nobody living knows where it is." So we got to talk to a dead person, which I love. I love some good Luna logic. Mm-hmm. Um, but she takes her to the. She takes Harry to the ghost, and the ghost. In a thing, the change I think is immediately more interesting. Like, here's Harry out because he's friends with Luna. Yes, I think that's Thank really. God. Su- I think that's really sweet. Um, um, and. They've redone this whole ghost conversation um, in a way that is actually incredibly funny to me because Steve Cloves or whoever wrote this particular bit of dialogue absolutely picked up on the same stuff we did in this conversation Mm -hmm. and made it like textual, uh, which is very interesting to me. Yeah. It doesn't this go is, anywhere, but... This is such a good improvement, though. Yeah. It's still fun, and it's just, like, spooky ghost stuff. I don't know. She's a, She gets to be a spooky... I mean, she gets to do a jump scare. It's cool. Uh, yeah. She, like, she like uh, uh, does a cool scream and, like, zooms at Harry and is like, ah! Uh, There's no bloody barren shit. There's no, like, I hid the tiara in a tree, and then my mom went to send my ex-boyfriend <laughs> right. to to the tree and just just all of that's gone like i i think that sometimes these changes which are probably like in the interest of like brevity mm-hmm. often just show how dire the like logic <laughs> of the books is yeah. because this just works really well because at, at like the core it's like yeah, a lot of people wanted the tiara because it was a cool treasure, and we know from the books that it's because it like supposedly made you smart or mm-hmm. whatever. And the fact that Harry like says that he wants to destroy it, and also the fact that Harry's friends with Luna makes the ghost stick around and talk to him long enough. Mm-hmm. We get, also get the like spooky information that Tom Riddle like asked for the same thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like short and sweet and kind of a fun scene. It it leaves on on the the line. Um, you remind me of him, mm-hmm. which is so good. Like because because the way that Harry behaved in that conversation was like almost comical in the book, where yeah. she was describing like this intense like manipulative behavior that she went through, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Damn, that sucks. Can I do the exact same thing?" And it like it was never remarked upon directly, but it just felt very weird to leave it hanging in the air like that. And having her call that out explicitly, even though it doesn't really go anywhere, and like at most it's like a thing for movie only people being like, "Uh oh, is Harry gonna turn evil?" Right. Right. Um, but it's a it's it's a great line, uh, and a, and a much better scene, I think. Yeah. Um. What is less good is Ron and Hermione finding a basilisk fang stabbing the cup and making Voldemort bust. Yeah, weird choices. <laughs> it's this is my favorite sequence in the film, I think. Mm-hmm. It is I am not I swear I am not just being immature. They take the cup and they like <laughs> touch it and then we like cut to Voldemort's face and he's like, "Oh." And then uh 
<laughs> they stab the cup. And then Voldemort goes, ah, and then it cuts to like all of the water in the, in the Chamber of Secrets, like <laughs> blasting all over Ron and Hermione. <laughs> Why? And it keeps interspersing with like shots of Voldemort going like, ah, it's really <laughs> fucking funny. Yeah. And then it ends with Hermione and Ron soaking wet and making out. Yeah. It's just like, wow. It is. <laughs> David Yates, what are you doing? What, what happened here, man? <laughs> they made Voldemort bust. Like there is You're no... not slick, David. <laughs> this isn't getting past me. This is, this is yeah, he David Yates is putting a lot of horny stuff in these films. Yeah. Uh, and this this is his biggest transgression yet. And <laughs> we, it's so weird. We can't we can't let him get away with this. Also, it starts with some sort of weird energy because we go into the chamber and like Ron doesn't just say a word in parcel tongue, he says like an entire <gasps> oh, sentence. Yeah. And then Hermione's like, Hey, what the hell, man? And Ron says, like, oh, Harry talks in his sleep. Haven't you noticed? It's real weird. Yeah, what does that mean? What's going on? What? <laughs> There's a lot of shipping bait in these films. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think, like, like before this film, that makes sense, right? Where it's like, yeah, you, well, I mean, just a, a, an inevitability of, like, ensemble movies is that, like, everyone wants to know who these characters end up with. Mm -hmm. What's weird here is that, like, this is a series where the book had been out for five years at this point. Um, <laughs> and also, they, f they like, they didn't change anything for the epilogue here. So they keep seeding in these, like, little moments like that where it's like, wait, what what is this joke that Ron Ron's telling here? What's he insinuating here? And it it's very... Unnecessary, I guess. Then there's also a lot of dreary energy in this film. I'm a I'm a dreary truther now. Yeah, I can fully see why movie only <laughs> people were on the dreary train. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this uh, the 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 whole thing with with Voldemort busting and 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 the cup is so. I mean, like, because before before they stab it, it's like. I mean, like, not literally what they're saying, but, like, they're, they're more or less doing it, like, oh, I don't know if that'll fit routine, right? Like, I don't know mm -hmm. if, I don't know if I can do this. And yes, yes, you can. It's just, David Yates, report to horny jail, please. Uh, yeah, seriously. Because um, <laughs> then, like, we, we kind of, like, get a whole, like, Horcrux-destroying sequence, because then they, they run back up to find Harry, um... While he's looking for the uh, the diadem, and he's run into Draco, and this conversation between Draco and Harry they have here is again just dripping with shipping subtext stuff. Yeah, it's amazing how many um, characters like get small little scenes with more chemistry than yeah. Harry and Ginny ever get. Yeah, the tension between Draco and Harry here is palpable. Wow. Draco is refusing to shoot Harry and he has like he has like the pleading emoji look on his face the whole time. <laughs> um Harry taunts him about his wand and is like, Who gave you that? And he's like, My my mother. Um <laughs> and uh a crab says, uh, do him, Draco. Uh <laughs> just really? 
<laughs> really laying it on here before Hermione and Ron show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then, it, I mean, it more or less plays out exactly like the book after that, but, uh, but, but that yeah. moment between them is very funny. I was sad that we didn't get the line after this scene where Ron is like, Crab's dead. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we didn't get that one. Um, we did get, there are like, and like this, this, this shouldn't be remarkable because like of course all movies do this but it stuck out a lot to me here this movie has like a weird amount of like direct star wars references oh yeah it does so like before harry runs to talk to the ghost uh they do the i know like the empire strikes back like i love you i know thing back and Mm -hmm. forth um the, then in this sequence, there are two. I mean, for one, it just looks like the speeder bike chase. Yeah. Not even just in the way that it's framed, but in just like, I mean, this is less on purpose, but it sure looks like a movie from the 80s in this part. The the <laughs> the compositing here is dreadful in this broom chase sequence away from the fire. <laughs> but also, when Crab starts the fire, Ron runs, does the like Han Solo run away and yell thing. Like yeah. he runs, he charges in to chase Crab and Goyle, and then he runs back, going ah, exactly like like not a crime to reference Star Wars, but it's three back to back, very on the nose ones that are kind of <laughs> hilarious to me. <laughs> like I don't know, not a not a like uh, a crazy uh, uh, like inside joke to reference. Like hey, have you seen Star Wars? Those are pretty good, right? <laughs> uh maybe almost a little um uh i don't know conceited of the harry potter movies to do that like hey we're 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 like star wars i don't know that's a mm-hmm. little weird energy on that one definitely um uh god what even happens next oh battle time yep it's it's our first battle montage of many <sighs> The other army is here. Neville is taunting a bunch of guys, and it turns out they are all Snatchers. Uh, and there's just a whole battalion of, like, grubby-looking dudes. What? How, how would you describe the costuming of, like... <laughs> these guys right they're all they're all from a, a 2005 tim burton movie <laughs> it's like it's like characters like like we said like scabior seems like he was written for johnny depp yeah because they're all costumed that way yeah they all look like extras in pirates of the caribbean yeah uh they, they're all very swashbuckly they're all wearing makeup they've all got like big hair um and they're all wearing like like i i don't even know what you call it really but the like you know, like, the 70s glam rocker, like, sort of feminine, androgynous, like, menswear stuff, right? Like, like it's it's a lot of, like, uh, big collared shirts and scarves and, like, like uh, uh, thin-waisted coats and stuff, right? They're very... It's, it's sort of a weird choice, I think, for a group of enemies that I don't think are supposed to be, like, the lovable villains. Right. I mean, they are literally, like, the, the Nazi, like hunter guys right like they're yeah they are the maybe most despicable people in this scenario yeah so it seems like a weird choice just because i feel like at the era that this movie came out 
this this costuming signals like oh the the lovable anti-hero yeah they're definitely a uh, character yeah scabior especially is very like 2010s cool right like mm-hmm. he looks like the lead singer of kings of leon or something he is he is very fashionable for the era i think yeah or it's at just least... an entire army of of jack sparrows it's really <laughs> it's weird really there's funny. like 300 of them yeah um there's a bit where they run through before the bubble shields destroyed and they get disintegrated and that's pretty good um yeah but then uh, the bubble shield lifts and the battle truly, truly... Can they not just cast another one? Did they run out of mana? They ran out of mana, I guess. I don't think they can. I don't think they have mana. I think they should cast another one. <laughs> they should probably just... Is it on cooldown? <laughs> you can only cast it once per day. It's They ran mm. out of spell slots, unfortunately. Oh, okay, okay. You get... Well, they had two. See, they had the, they had the, um, the statue spell and the bubble shield. Oh, McGonagall learned all of her fifth level spells, and it was Bubble Shield and and Statue Spell. <laughs> That's and it. I think that if she had just remembered like two bubble shields yeah at level five that's too bad yeah that probably would have been better especially because we don't really get to see the statues do much we get a lot like this is the part where we get our all of our sweeping battle sequences we have like the charge of the death eaters we have the giants coming in we have spiders that show up like it is (laughs) it is nonsense and like it is the thing that is i think like most disastrous about this is that this is the stuff that looks the least like the last movie right just in terms of like camera work um Mm -hmm. and it loses like i did not like the chase sequence in the first deathly hallows but i could appreciate what it was going for right and that like they're trying they were trying to go like oh this is serious now so we're doing like down-to-earth camera stuff right and it's like here's here's the characters running through the woods and you can hear their the wind whipping past their mics and you can't really see what's going on like very silly for harry potter but i get it Mm -hmm. here we have we are in like full green screen studio mode Uh, yeah it's very crisp it's very static except for like clearly full cgi camera swoops and pans and whatnot um and it just doesn't excite in the way that, like, even that chase sequence that I didn't think was that great does. Um, because it, it's it's just not a consistent vibe. It's not a consistent um, presentation of, of action. And also, I don't give a shit about what any of these, like, little disparate, like, mini battles happening is. It's, like, giants versus uh, uh, wizards. And then there's, like, spiders versus statues at one point. <laughs> There's, like, Death Eaters just running, but, like, you never really see a clash of any of these things. They're just happening in the background. It's almost like, you know, in in a, uh, like, a game or something where, like, you see the set dressing, which is, like, the, the kind of, like, endless stuff happening around you, but you can't interact with it, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. there's no real... Like you, you, you said, like in a, in a battle movie, you get parts where like two guys clash and one gets stabbed, or like you know, there's dialogue happening while they're fighting other guys, right? And like that never happens here. It's all also like a lot of music, like yeah, like yes. there's none of those sort of more down to earth like 
like they never get like pinned down and there's no music and they're like how do we get out of here right. like and none of that it's just they're all they're always running and they're these like long shots of them running through this battle that they're not interacting with with like swelling battle theme happening and i just it makes me fall asleep yeah the the the, the music is very overpowering but the the biggest crime i really do think is um that we don't actually see any characters doing the battle. Like we see some after stuff, but mostly it's like walking up on Lavender having already <laughs> right. been killed. Yeah, Lavender's dead. Um we see like Tonks and Lupin like hold hands after the bubble shield goes down, but there's no part where we see them die. Right. Which is the cuz to me that's the easiest thing to fix, right? Is that, like, one of the biggest complaints of this book was that, like, hey, all these major characters died off screen. Mm-hmm. Keeping that part is really odd to me. In a movie where you are spending the money to do this huge battle scene, like, show Lupin have a werewolf fight. Show Tonks, like, die to a, I don't know, a wizard sniper or something. I don't, like, I, the details don't really matter, but, like, the, the, those are the things that give a battle scene stakes right and i don't know how this battle scene was so long when nothing happened in it yeah yeah it, it, it really is just the main characters running through it um it looks like to, to me this looks like if you gave the doctor who creative team a lord of the rings <laughs> sized budget oh no is kind of the vibe oh, this no. thing has. <laughs> there's so much rubble <laughs> yes it's so funny. That's the be- part that I love because that that is like the clear like this is a studio thing <laughs> where it's like all the backdrops are CG, but like of course they they put like you know the styrofoam rubble everywhere to signify that the battle is you know causing a lot of damage. I mean that's like nothing happens in it, so all that I remember is just seeing all of the different piles, huge piles of rubble. Huge piles, way more stone I think than is actually used at Hogwarts. There's so there's so much rubble. I don't know how there's any <laughs> castle left. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, so Harry uh, has a big vision, um, and he realizes that. Uh, uh, Voldemort's in the boathouse, not the shrieking Voldemort's shack. in the boathouse. They decide. I love, I love how much work on this boathouse they did. Like this is the, this is the big moment. Like visually speaking, the boathouse. Yeah. Wowie. They went for it. They, they, they built this brand new location for this very pivotal scene. Um, there's a lot of paddles and kayaks everywhere. I think that between Voldemort having boat that only. <laughs> only lets one, one adult person. ride it and then having this showdown be in the boathouse i think that like firmly makes like boating one of voldemort's character traits so i realized why they did this i think okay it's very stupid and and okay. and i uh i don't agree with it but i think this is what they were going for okay um so voldemort like normally in the book does this in the shrieking shack yeah which is a very odd location even in the book i'm sort of like why is he there yeah so that that's a that's a place that really doesn't have any meaning for him um and neither does the boathouse but i i figure the first thing that went through like the filmmakers heads here is we can't do this in the shrieking shack 
because that's going to make editing a nightmare. Like, how do you mm-hmm. get Harry back and forth between uh, the 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 Shrieking Shack and, and Hogwarts in a, like, reasonable amount of time, right? Right, like, while a battle is happening. While a battle, yeah. Like, he's just going between a town that's a few miles away and back. Like, that's that's just going to make editing suck. Um, So they were like, well, okay, where else could he do it? And... I feel like the smart answer here would have been if someone had said, like, what about the astronomy tower where Dumbledore died or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just, I don't know, like, pick any pick any other location we've seen before where something important happened. But I realized then, oh, the boathouse where first years uh, first get to Hogwarts. Oh. Uh, and so this is, this wow. is a scene for Harry. But that's really clumsy because Harry doesn't really get to do anything in the boathouse. He just sees the scene happen. But I think that's why they went with boathouse. Wow. Like, like they were attempting to do a, like, a ring theory. It's all connected. It's, it, it starts, it ends where it began kind of thing. I don't mind. I think it looks kind of nice. I am distracted by them having this very serious conversation and they're just being like kayaks in the background. There's just like, it paddles feels, and stuff. It feels really weird. Here's my, here's my proposed solution. Mm-hmm. Hagrid's hut clusterfuck. Hagrid's hut clusterfuck. Let's go. Let's fucking do it. Hell yes. Uh, it should have been in Hagrid's hut. And it would also at least make a through line as to why Hagrid is dressed up in the <laughs> yeah, forest. Yeah, because we still get that part. Because it's like, where did Voldemort like happen to run into Hagrid? Yeah. Like, to get him in the forest yeah. in the first place. Oh, God. So I think it should have been in Hagrid's hut. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea. One final clusterfuck. Problem is Voldemort already busted by this point. That's true. So he was he was, he he couldn't do another one just yet. Yeah. Is that why he realized the thing about the Elder Wand with Snape? Like, he was wrong, but was that post-nut clarity? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I'm going He was with. like, oh, duh. Yeah, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, Snape gets it real hard here. This was unnecessary. Yeah. So Voldemort reveals that he he needs to kill Snape to control the Elder Wand, and much then, shorter conversation in the film. Thank much God. shorter. Not not as much back and forth of Snape going. Can I leave? Can I? Hey man. Can I? Please. I don't know what you're talking about, but can I go? <laughs> and he like I couldn't tell if it was like Sectumsempra or a different spell, or if he like threw a knife at Snape. But he, like, <laughs> he cuts his throat first somehow. Yeah. Um, and then orders Nagini to kill. And then we get this very violent... Like, I, I actually... I, I like, in practice, at least, like this scene because it's very visceral. H- Harry on the other side of the wall as, like, you hear the thumping of the snake, like, attacking him... Yeah, and the, and the like wind you can see a little bit through mm-hmm. these like these windows, but it's like they're like tiny little panes. Yeah. And so it's like sort of distorted, so you're not seeing it very directly. I will say what bothers me about the scene is if I mean I assume these movies are still like should be okay for kids to see. This scene would have terrified me as a yeah, little kid. Yeah, this is intense. This is a Jurassic Park death. Uh It's fine. It's very scary. Very violent. Um uh, but the, like, it's all immediately undercut because Harry, like, you know, after Snape and Nagini leave, or uh, after Voldemort and Nagini leave, um, he goes over to Snape and Snape is like, fine. 
Like, yeah, do something. Someone. (laughs) Like, he just got, like, mauled by a giant snake. And and he's, like, he just, he's a little winded, I guess. Um, Yeah. But he starts crying the memory goop. Yeah, it doesn't spray out of his eyes and nose and mouth in this one. Yeah. But we do... They really, again, similar to Ginny, I feel did Snape a little dirty here. Yeah. Um. This is his last, I mean, like, chron- chronologically not his last scene, but, like, living Snape as a character. Mm-hmm. This is his final moment. Yep. Could they not have chosen a take where he said pensive right? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> what is with that? He, like... It really sounds like they did a take where he like stumbled over it, and I'm like, did they pick it because it sounded like it sounds like he's dying? Because it doesn't. It just sounds like he said the word wrong. I, so I went back and listened to it a bunch, and I I was trying to make heads or tails of what was going on here because he doesn't say pensive. He says take it to the pensive, <laughs> and I was like unsure of whether it was supposed to be like him like fighting through a death gurgle. But I don't think it is. Did someone tell him that pensive was like a French word? Because that's my only possible explanation here. Is is that he's saying, like, take it to the pensive. Like, the pensive. The pensive is a pun for, yeah. for thinking. It's not, a, yeah. it's not a fancy word. I don't know why he's as pensive if, there was, if that was a... <laughs> Uh, mistake on his part or the the director's part or someone not realizing that it was a pun and thinking that it was a fancy magic word i i don't know but it is it is such a bummer to me that snape's final moment is him saying ponsive like ponsive you imagine it's just like he he does that and he dies and harry just like stands up crying he's like this mf just said ponsive They're gonna change Sna- the title of Snape's group chat before his, no! before his funeral to Ponsive. That's so sad. So sad for him. We then get a very long sequence of Snape's memories. I hate it. It is really weird. Um, I'm bummed that they, in a film that cuts so much unnecessary fluff, that they kept so much of this uh in in here a real opportunity i think to like make the snape stuff better but it is it is full of both a lot of just standing again uh lily and and snape as children lily and snape as children i think is the funniest manifestation of all the like actors just standing with their arms at their sides because they're like 10 they're like Mm -hmm. children and they're just like very stiff and and like uh i guess sober and mature and it's like shouldn't these kids be like jumping and running and being kids in these yeah. in these parts um mm-hmm. but the biggest crime of all on uh, on top of like doing this scene pretty much as is from the book is we get a very smooth snape they smoothed they smoothed him they, they s- took they took the smooth tool and they smoothed his <laughs> face all up He's really smooth. They they made him so smooth. It's so bad looking. It's, it's smooth Snape. 
He, he like he just overdid his Instagram filter on this a little too much. Yeah, this is Facetune Snape. It is really, really <laughs> not good. Um, no. I don't know really why they did this. Like, I get that he's I, supposed yeah, to be I younger. I would have understood. Yeah, I get that he's supposed to be younger in, in the beginning of this stuff. Or that, like... You know, Alan Rickman was like in his sixties when they filmed this, right? Like, like he was not a young actor, but like, they've already made that choice, though. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like it's like the same thing with like Lily. Is it's like, yeah, in the in the books, she was you know, twenty, twenty or whatever, and Snape would have been like thirty in book one. Yeah. And they just they just cast all of the adults way older. Yeah, that's just what they did. Yeah, so they should live with their choice and don't make smooth snake. <laughs> don't make smooth snake, or just cut out all the flashback parts. You could do the flashback with the kid, and then just cut to Snape in Dumbledore's office, right? Like none of the none of the like intermediate like Snape and Dumbledore scenes are really all that necessary. No, they're mostly just torture for me. <laughs> Especially because we get the entire always scene explained to us when it happens. Mm-hmm. Like, like in the office sequence when he's helping Dumbledore with his fucked up hand, um, and, and Dumbledore explains the whole thing about how, how Harry's supposed to die, we get... Uh, this is the one change that is made, and I do, I do think this is better just for, like, Dumbledore as a, like, interesting character. Um... Is that uh, uh, Snape casts his Patronus and we get the always scene. But, like, Dumbledore seems genuinely surprised here. Oh, yeah. Which is so much better than than in the book where he... I mean, it's almost mocking in the book, right? Like, oh, after all this time, you know? like like. But, but here, he's a little more like, oh, I did not realize that this was still eating you up so bad right which is right. that's a much better softer dumbledore there i think mm-hmm. um doesn't do much for snape and and maybe i guess also like rehabilitates that weird behavior a bit more than it should be uh in 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 such a like short sequence but i do at least appreciate it like veering at least a little bit away from like dumbledore being like the most evil manipulator on planet earth right like I, I, although I feel like I sort of get the vibe in the movie, which was obviously not so in the book, but I, there's a little bit, there's some implications in this film that I feel like are just sort of left on the table mm. about like Snape and Lily maybe like being a thing. Yeah. Or maybe meant to be, which leaves it in this weird, ambiguous realm. Because that's the thing is in the book, nothing can be ambiguous. It's all completely literal. Yeah. But there's like a little bit, a little bit of like, are they soulmates? Question yeah, mark? there, there are a couple of moments, especially when the Lily Ghost shows up after this, um, which we'll get to. But, but there's there, they, they cut just enough from this that makes mm-hmm. it seem like maybe there was something there where there definitely wasn't anything in the book. Right. They don't go quite as hard on. Uh, Lily cutting ties with him because he's a wizard Nazi. Like, like right, we we, yeah. we don't get that at all, actually. Yeah, um, and it really it it kind of makes his story less about 
like a fall and more just like making a mistake. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's all it's all much more ambiguous and like I don't know. They emphasize the like emotional arc more so than like the facts of what happened and so that makes it work for me more. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's certainly better than the book. Um uh then we get one of the best changes because Harry decides to go out to the forest and instead of running into Neville with Colin Creevy's limp body, he runs into his actual friends. Yeah, the the uh, Steve Clubs remembered that they're characters, yes. or at least thinks that they should be, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. We, we get a, a good scene where he runs out into the forest and uh, 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 runs runs into Ron and Hermione and they sort of like try to stop him and then realize that they shouldn't and... What's the line that Harry gets here that's, like, a really nice change, too? Oh, he because he's obviously, like, is a horcrux, or has a part, and he has to die, and he says, like, I think I've known for a long time, and I think yeah. you have to. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, that part's great. Must be absolutely nonsense to anyone who has not read the book. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think that is a very good change. Um. And then he goes out into the woods and he he kisses the stone or kisses the snitch and he gets the stone and the ghosts appear. And this is the number one Lily Snape shipping bait thing here. Yeah. That really was like, wow, okay, what a change. I can't believe J.K. Rowling okayed this. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think she says maybe some kind of variation on this in the book but it's seeing it acted out this way is wild is wild yeah um yeah explain explain what 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 happens i mean harry goes around the circle right and he he says like sirius did it hurt to die and sirius is like no i i fell through a curtain dummy you were there (laughs) and then and then harry says to lupin i'm sorry you died i didn't want you to have to die for me and lupin's like it's okay i'm actually really okay with it um, and then I think he's like, I didn't want any of you to die for me. Um, and then, like, gosh, what what does he say that prompts Lily to say so? Oh, he asks Lily, will you be there with me? Or, like, will you be with me when I die? Or, like, whatever he says. And she just, like, looks at him. And the only line that she gets in the film is, always. Yeah. She says the thing. She says the thing in, like, the exact same, like, cadence. Because, of course, like, in the Snape always scene, there's just, like, this huge dramatic pause. And he's, like, all the way. Right? Like, he really puts... And then to have her, like, say the same thing, I'm like, Steve Cloves, you are... You are going crazy. He's he's one. He, you're crazy. You're crazy for this. He's one. in thirty twenty at this point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's a that's a wild change. Um, and that their Patronus is match. I'm just yeah, like, whoa, wow, yeah. big big changes. I don't know. Interesting stuff. That the whiplash between how interesting a big change that was and how boring of a big change this the uh, Voldemort clearing is <laughs> was very funny to me. Yeah, because they did not like in a an oasis in a in an ocean uh, or a desert of uh, terrible writing. Uh, the bit in the book where Harry goes to the clearing and it's like a fucking metal album cover and Snake's got yeah. a snake. Uh, Voldemort has a snake halo and and there's like fires and shit. It's fucking cool as hell. Yeah, he's just happen. standing in this he's one. He's just standing. 
but Hagrid is also there, trussed up. He's trussed up. He's yeah. trussed up. I laughed out loud. I I was I was literally typing to you like when when we got to that part. I was like, oh, I guess they took out Hagrid, and then nope. they just cut to him in the room. All trussed up. He is all trussed up. Um, and uh, we, we get their showdown. Snape. Yep. Uh, I'm getting everyone's names mixed up just because like these aren't characters, you know. Mm-hmm. Voldemort says, Nabonacadabra! In a very, <laughs> it's very, funny. very weird way. Um, and <laughs> and sends Harry to the uh, the Calvinism station. Um, yep. This is also an improvement, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, in that, I, I in that it is the, a more Calvinist scene, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. like, like the, the thing that was so strange in the book to me was that Harry Potter, the book, hammers in over and over again. It's like, it is, it's our choices that matter. It's our choices that matter. Uh, uh, anyone can, it doesn't matter who you are. You can, you can be good and, and blah, blah, blah. And then he meets the, the Voldemort baby and Dumbledore's like, ah, not that guy though. <laughs> but here he sees the Voldemort baby and it's all gross. Um, a wretched prop honestly um mm-hmm. not a fan of of their why is it that color <laughs> buffalo I know, sauce i know this is like yeah this is like really played out everyone's like he looks like a chicken wing but it like definitely <laughs> he does. does he does look like a chicken wing <laughs> yeah it doesn't look like blood it looks like sauce um and dumbledore shows up and harry's like what is that and they walk away from it and he's just like it's just like nothing, nothing you can fix or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, we can get into a discussion about whether or not that's like you know moral or good or or, or whatever. Or, or, but it is at least picking a religious uh, idea and sticking with it, right? Sure. In a way that's like a lot more thematic. Um, it's also not a baby, decidedly not. A no, baby. it is. It is a little Voldemort. It's got like adult Voldemort's head. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a, a little. The imagery is, a, I guess, a little less loaded too. Um, but this scene has been completely excised of any of the uh, information that Dumbledore gives Harry that is like unquestionably new information. Very no, very technical lore about blood and no, nothing. I, I don't like, even remember how it was in the like. Your blood is like a shield, or but it's different than the spell I cast <laughs> using the blood. Like all that stuff is just gone. Yeah, it it is just a um a little philosophical conversation between Harry and his like vision of Dumbledore. And there's not, there's not, there's also very importantly, there is not the like, ooh, Harry, can you forgive me stuff in here. Yeah. Harry just understands and has this conversation with 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 Dumbledore, which, again, like, still plenty to pick at there, but I'm glad that it, like, chose a, a side for the story to be on, right? And mm-hmm. it just it just makes the conversation a lot more interesting, a lot more charming, a lot easier to follow because it's not full of, like, three different info dumps, right? And it makes and, yeah. it, and it and it makes that moment where Harry asks, "Is this real or is it in my head?" actually make sense because Harry, he's not been given any information; he's just been processing feelings, right? 
Yeah, and I and I sort of like like I think the scene really worked for me in just like a like a basic bitch at a blockbuster way. <laughs> like it's just like I don't know, it's just nice. It's a little bit nostalgic for like old Dumbledore, but it takes this opportunity of nostalgia to say like it, all that like other stuff about Dumbledore or whatever doesn't really matter in this case because it's like what Dumbledore represents for Harry here that matters. Um uh, and this, like, what Dumbledore had, like has been to him in his life, and that's like way nicer than all of the stuff about Dumbledore being like, "Please forgive me, <laughs> Harry." Yeah, and there's also that very interesting part where he talks about like the power of language or whatever, mm-hmm. and which is, I was like, "Where is he going with this?" And and there is a moment that I guess is still a little ominous. And, and again, represents a very interesting worldview to be picked apart. But I think it is a good line when he says, like, I've always said that, like, uh, uh, help at Hogwarts will always be given to those who need it. I, I should rephrase that. Help at Hogwarts will always be given to those who deserve it. <sighs> Which is very interesting. Um, and I, 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 I like it just because this is... N- much more ambiguously Dumbledore, not Dumbledore, right? Mm-hmm. This is Harry's vision of Dumbledore. Yeah. And for Harry's, like, vision of Dumbledore, or, per, you know, per, maybe it's really Dumbledore, but they, they play up the ambiguity much, much better here. Um, For him to kind of have... A, 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 like, he, he does have an adjusted view of Dumbledore now. Mm-hmm. And and it is not quite as kindly anymore. Yep. And I think that that's a really good moment. Like like Harry has grown up and and like he doesn't hate Dumbledore, but he kind of maybe has a little bit of a better perspective about who this guy was, right? And he can yeah he can remember the good parts, but he can also like recognize that like Dumbledore, his actions and his like beliefs like weren't uh entirely benevolent. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I thought that was a good uh, an interesting moment. Yeah, I think that I am giving like so much credit to this scene, especially because it feels like such a nice breath of fresh air in between battle. Yes, I'm like I I just I liked this scene a lot. Sometimes it's just nice when two characters talk, you know. Yeah, I guess that's really what it is, isn't it? <laughs> because there's not much of that in this movie. No, no, but I I, I do think it, I do I do think that this takes a fundamentally pretty rotten scene and i mean it's it's the baby right like they put a pretty good looking sauce on it at least like yeah yeah like you know this this wing might not be any good but sauce is all right sure he's back to life back to the battle we get the narcissa scene basically word for word she has cool hair she has very cool hair in this uh, it, like I, there's so much that happens in Harry Potter. Where I'm like, wish I could have seen more of this character. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Narcissa. Also, they like she's just a really great actress too. Like I, yeah. I like I like who they chose for Narcissa a lot. Um, she she's she kind of steals the show in this in this bit that kind of doesn't matter. I mean, so does honestly Jason Isaacs as well as Lucius is a lot of fun in this as uh, well. He gets like three lines and they're all so good. They're all great and they've really really like like haggard him up a whole bunch. Uh-huh. He's he's not looking great. He's he yeah, he's he's uh, a joy in this still whenever he shows up. Mm-hmm. Um trust up Hagrid has to take Harry back to the castle. 
Uh, and he remains trussed up the whole time. He does. Um, and Neville looks in the sorting hat right before everyone shows up and notices a, a shiny glint in there. Yeah. Um, but then they all see that that Harry is is dead in in uh, Hagrid's trussed up arms, and for as similar to the 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 Dumbledore station scenes, um, I don't know if I would call this sequence good, but letting Ray Fiennes just do his Voldemort thing for like ten solid minutes here. Oh, thank God. Breath of fresh air, for sure. It's wonderful. This is, like, I had so much fun watching this. It's, like, probably very bad, but it's so funny. It's so good. So he he gets to address the crowd. He does that funny laugh that, like, a bunch of the fans hate, uh, it, but it's good, actually. The, like, it's so good. He goes, like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Like, it's really, he sounds like Mandark or something. Like, it's really yeah. good. Um. <laughs> Uh, he kind of taunts Neville. Neville gives an awful speech about how ha- uh, Harry is not there; he's in here or whatever. Oh, it's it's so good too because he, he's because Neville in this scene is just standing and he's in the foreground and he's giving the speech and I barely heard a word of it because Voldemort's like in the background and he is standing so fucking weird. Like he's, he's doing just- a cool <laughs> pose, kind of. <laughs> I just love the whole scene, like, watching him be like, what is that guy going to do? <laughs> I know that guy's going to do something cool. Uh, and, and it's true. What he does is he, there's the part where, like, Neville challenges on him on something where he's like, like, I'm, like, I'm a long bottom or whatever. And they all laugh. And, and he's he's like, I, I will never submit to you. And Voldemort does, I, I barely even know how to describe it. He does that, like, uh stopping himself from like punching the air thing where he like <sighs> raises his hand and then he like clenches his fist and then he like thinks better of it and but he's just having a blast as Voldemort. Yeah. like he's he's really just on the edge and he's kind of kind of it's a comedy routine but it is it, it is what this movie needed at this point um, yeah and i think still think it like can stay in like the sinister realm my my biggest problem is that all the other characters are so flat and boring that i just at this point want voldemort to win he's so funny <laughs> right, he is way more entertaining than anyone else in this scene Mo- like, <laughs> molly is there just standing as well um and uh uh like Voldemort also like so he he's he's trying to recruit people here he's like okay anyone who steps across this line you're going to be a death eater and live right so, mm-hmm. so Neville refuses and then Narcissa calls Draco over and Voldemort this is like maybe the most infamous scene in the movie like Voldemort intercepts him and like gives him this really awkward hug Oh, it's so I fucking love good. It so much. It's so good. It is I, amazing. People get so fucking pissed about this, and I. It's here's here's my take about this. We have never seen Voldemort victorious, right? Ever. Mm-mm. The fact that it's this is so fucking. Good. It's almost like he doesn't know what to do now yeah. that he's won, right? Like he's very good at like being angry, but like now that he's happy, it's like he doesn't really have a way to express it. And, I love it. it's so good. And so he's just laughing and kind of like taunting, and then he does this awkward hug. It's so good. Apparently, it was unscripted. 
Like, apparently they did this take, like, 30 times or whatever. And there's just one it's, of them where he, he, hugged, he hugged Tom Felton. And that one, that's the one that made it in. I love it. Uh, inspired choice, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, I don't even know. God, what even makes the fight break out? Uh, does Harry I don't just, know. like, All jump up and be like, surprise, <laughs> bitch, I'm here. Like, yeah, and he, like, gets in cover immediately. Yeah. So now the battle kicks off again, part three of this fucking battle. Um, Voldemort, or, or uh, uh, Draco and Narcissa and Lucius all wa- just, like, walk away, like, across the bridge. Uh, yep. Which is adorable. I, I yeah. I Because, lo- like, the, the, the best part of it, too, is, like, we have... Lucius in the foreground, kind of like looking nervously over his shoulder, hoping no one notices. They're just walking away. Mm-hmm. But in the in the background, there's Narcissa and Draco, and they're holding hands like he's a little child. Yeah, and he's like like a foot taller than her. Like it is a yeah. very very good shot. Um, very cute moment. Um, but Draco like sort of got his little redemption arc here. Um. Because that, well, because that was the other thing, right? Is that in the in the the dreary uh, Ravenclaw diadem scene, Harry straight up asks him, "How come you didn't uh, didn't say it was me at the mansion?" And Draco's like, "Uh, oh yeah." Um, so th- this movie has gives gives the Malfoys a much more explicit redemption arc, uh, or mm-hmm. which is eh, you know what, oh, they're fun, they're fun characters. Let them let them live, I guess. Yeah, it makes me wish they were in the movie more. <laughs> yeah, it makes me wish they were characters, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the big fight. Uh, we've got Bellatrix versus Molly. Finally. Finally. Well, all of Molly's standing is going to pay off. <laughs> and we've got Voldemort versus Harry. Um, uh, this is a very long cover shooter sequence. There's a part where Harry like picks up a, a, a fang, a basilisk fang, and it's like, oh, is he going to try and stab the snake or stab Voldemort? But, like, that gets disintegrated because Voldemort, like, has a cool disintegrate spell when he shoots uh, and stuff. Voldemort uses, like, a ton of cool moves in this fight. Yeah. Voldemort is a full-on three-phase boss fight in this in this sequence. Yeah, so, like, first it's just, like, a duel, and then, like, he's got, like, a disintegration spell that he's throwing he's everywhere. He's, like, teleporting around, I guess. Yeah, he has, like, that annoying move characters in MMOs do where they, like, stun you and teleport behind you and get a hit in. Yeah. Uh, and then he, um, his third phase, he, like, fucking, uh, uh, like, grows tentacles. And, like, yeah. he, like grabs Harry and, like, starts He's like, throwing him around with his, like, cool cloak tentacles. Yeah. Very elaborate stuff. Um, that's a lot of fun. Meanwhile, speaking of new spells, uh, Bellatrix and, and, uh, uh, Molly are fighting... And Bellatrix, like, tries to shoot Ginny, and we get, of course, not my daughter, you bitch. Yep. And then, I was shocked by this part. <laughs> yeah. Were you, what, like, what did you think was gonna happen? Like, they were- I was expecting laser and then fall to be dead, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I didn't think it was gonna be the, the, like, killing spell green laser, but I thought it was just gonna be, like, an ambiguous, like, laser blast since all of the wands are just guns now and then she was gonna fall and and be like presumably dead or yeah no no wrong no instead what happens is 
she like first of all i thought that so i don't know if you thought this there's she like freezes right first yeah and then like it looked like her corset got cinched or something because she like (laughs) kind of like sucks in a little bit and i was like oh my god is like molly choking her with her corset or something that'd be pretty funny that would be more creative than this which is she like stops for a second and then like cracks like into glass and falls apart it's really awful uh, not a good special effect it's very anti- okay but it doesn't even look like that it looks like what like undertale enemies look like when they die <laughs> <laughs> we're all yeah we're all the all the pixels kind of like like rotate fly and fly away, away. Each other. yeah, yeah. Or like, or like an old like pixel art JRPG where it's like the enemies just sort of disintegrate. It's very weird. Yeah, it's it's not it's not satisfying. I mean, like this movie has a real problem in general with like the fighting not actually being all that visceral. Like there are a couple of violent deaths, but like the the thing about magic is that it's just lasers, but they're not even like laser guns or anything. So there's no. Like, there's no, like, ammo, there's no recoil, there's no, like, skill involved in aiming or anything, right? There's no, there's nothing that you could do to, like, conjure up, like, stakes, right? Or, like, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, like, like, like any sense of, like, skill in these combat sequences. It really, ju- you, you have to just watch and see who, win- who the movie tells you wins. Um, and, and, like... Bellatrix just shattering into like pixel glass is very funny because it just it just does not there's no real impact there it's just like a weird like physical comedy bit uh, mm-hmm. instead of a like dramatic death um yeah and Helena Bottom Carter is just doing the thing yeah that just makes me roll my eyes yeah. again it's just like a personal taste thing but I'm just like Ugh. yeah and Molly Weasley's not a character. I don't think she's like said any words, but she has been standing. So yeah, and then I don't think she shows up in the movie again. To say uh, she shows up to cry over oh. her, her kid dying. <laughs> That's right. Um, Voldemort and Harry uh, are have been fighting on the ramparts. He Voldemort's been in tentacle mode, but I guess Harry made it through that phase. Um, mm, yeah, because there's like a um, what is it in fighting games where it's like you use a move and then it takes you to like a new arena? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you knock them off the side of the arena or like they, you just go to the second phase. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what happens cause, here. Because Voldemort did the thing where because people get mad about this too from the movie is because Harry grabs him and like pulls him off of a cliff yeah and the dialogue here is very funny because he like they're at the top of a tower and i guess they're like next to a cliff that the bridge goes over i guess Mm -hmm. and like harry like grabs him and gets right up in his face and is like let's 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 finish this the way it started tom together Uh, and then they and then they jump off and it's like just not a thing harry would ever say um and then there's that bizarre shot of like Voldemort's face and Harry's hands laughing as they're falling. That's I I do kind of like Voldemort like realizing he can fly and then having to like fly as smoke <laughs> with both of them. Like unintentionally a very funny thing to me. Yeah. And also I'm like I, I guess my question is is like was Harry like planning for that to work or did he know that Voldemort was going to have to fly them somewhere? I It's got to be the latter, right? Because in unless Cause the thing is, the snake's not dead yet. 
Right. Because that, that, that's the one good change they make in this battle is that, like, Nagini is still in play right until the very last second. Yeah, it's, like, a simultaneous thing. And, like, Hermione and Ron are, like, throwing rocks at her. <laughs> yeah, so, like, they're throwing rocks at Nagini. Um, Harry and Voldemort have, like, returned to the courtyard. And they're they're doing their, like, Dragon Ball Z, pushing the spell for back and forth thing. Um, and then, at the last second, Neville uh, appears with the sword, slices her head off, and Harry's spell finally engulfs Voldemort and it's like yeah I mean like it's a stupid fight but at least there was like a little bit more tension there Mm -hmm. um Voldemort turns into ash and like floats into the sky this is a big contentious thing with the fandom when you do definitely do you have any opinion on 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 that uh I don't think I care (laughs) here's the here's the thing I see what they're saying because um they are saying that the important theme here is that he dies just like everyone else. Like, despite everything right. that he did and his, like, his quest for immortality and his, his desire to just live forever, he, he died dead as just, like, a mortal man, right? Mm-hmm. And that is the, the meaning of that. I don't think that theme is well enough established in the movies to justify it for the movies. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it's, 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 I, I definitely agree that it is not a fitting death for him if you, like, consider the entire character, but given mm-hmm. what we've seen of him, seen, yeah, seen of him on film, uh, like, the he's just a normal man, like everyone else thing isn't really a theme in the films, so. Right, it's, it's honestly kind of the opposite. <laughs> right, yeah, he is a supervillain in the, in the films. Uh-huh. Kind of for the better, really. Yeah. Um. That's honestly not the weird part of the ending to me. The weird part mm-hmm. is that, like, after this, the, 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 like, Voldemort is defeated. He turns into ash and scatters to the winds. Harry returns to the, the like, Great Hall where everyone is, like, recuperating. And everyone is real chill. Yeah, it's fine. This is the weirdest part of this movie to me. Um... there's neither like celebration or like people breaking down that like oh my god my family's dead right it's like oh my god there was a war at the school there's a war at the school yeah people are just like chilling uh they they look like i don't know like they look like they just like got out of a like soccer game or something i mean even i think there's even a shot of molly weasley because there is in every single scene (laughs) and she's just look i think someone is like maybe like has like a like a washcloth on her forehead or whatever, but she's just looking like sort of like ah shucks, I just disintegrated that lady. Yeah. But then in like the last scene that we saw of her before this was her like, like, like not able to stand sobbing over her dead son, and now she's just like ah shucks. Yeah, she's like ooh, ouch, <laughs> that was wacky, huh? Mm-hmm. Very weird moment. Um, but there is at least a part that I think is better here. Mm. This moment with the golden trio walking out onto the bridge rather than to Dumbledore's office. Yes. Is huge improvement. Um, mostly because I think I, there, there was something I didn't even consider when we read, read it in the books. Right. But like the King's cross sequence with Dumbledore is like the Dumbledore closure moment. Right. Yeah. And so him going back to the office and talking to the painting almost feels like a weird re- oh, regression. Oh, it sucks so bad. Right? Yeah. Whereas here, like, he's done. He has made his peace with the Dumbledore thing, and so who cares? I'm not going to his office anymore. Um, But 
them as a trio having a conversation about what to do with the Hallows is so much better than just getting marching orders from Dumbledore. Um, yeah. And, like, this is, like, one of the few moments in this film where Daniel Radcliffe really gets to do some fun, kind of quirky, like, awkward uh, Daniel Radcliffe acting, right? Because he, like, <laughs> he, like, hops up on, <laughs> very dangerous looking, he hops up on, like, a little piece of rubble on the bridge and just kind of, like, is is wiggling around like kind of like an awkward teen he's like ah i think i'm gonna i don't know what i'm gonna do with the with the wand and then he like pulls it out and just like breaks it uh Mm -hmm. and kind of throws it's it's just very natural and low-key and like ron ron's objections are less like he's evil and corrupted sounding than they did in the book right it's Mm -hmm. he's more just like that's a really powerful wand and harry's like oh i don't care And, and that's kind of the end of it yeah, it's a that's that's a big improvement. I got a, I got a bone to pick with this. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've just got a little Ron in me, but I don't think that the wand being powerful as a problem was ever established no. in this movie. No. So when Harry throws it, I'm like, no, what the fuck are you doing? Well, there is one. Do you remember the one part they established it where like Voldemort was about to do a spell and like the camera zoomed in on the wand and you like saw the energy crackling in it and it like. Yeah, but I thought that was trying to tell us that Voldemort wasn't good at using yeah. the wand because he didn't own it. Yeah, it was very, whatever it was, it was very goofy. I... Just just whatever that subplot or like theme or whatever from the books where they tried to like clumsily make it into a Lord of the Rings thing mm-hmm. about like power and how it will be your downfall or whatever. Yeah. That's just not in the movies. No, no they. Uh, I, I would be very curious what movie only people think of the Elder Wand thing. Because, because it's, it's like an afterthought. Yeah, it doesn't. We, there is no scene where we actually get to see with it. I mean, this is the problem with the twist of Deathly Hallows, right? Mm-hmm. The entire thing hinges on this rules lawyer thing of like Voldemort never used it, uh, never owned it, right? Yeah, but that means that nothing we ever see him do with it can be effective so like who cares right right we never like this is i mean like this is screenwriting 101 stuff and that like at some point in the movie if you have a thing that is powerful that you want the enemies to uh you know not have done to them you've got to show it happening to someone right like if you're making a movie where you, I mean, like, just a real basic thing. If you're making an action movie and you want a scene where a character has to run across, like, a sniper alley, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you want that to be tense for the audience. Uh, you've got to show someone getting sniped, right? You, so then <laughs> yeah. the audience can say, oh, I don't want that to happen to my beloved main character, right? Right. But, like, the way Deathly Hallows works... That fundamentally can't happen because he never ever is in control of the the sniper rifle or whatever. I mean, that's the thing is we have only known one character to be in control of the Elder Wand and it's Dumbledore and Dumbledore was a great guy and nothing really went wrong for him because of the Elder Wand. Right. Yeah. 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 there, There is no moment where we see what the Elder Wand can do that makes it so dangerous. As far as we know, it's just like a wand with a better graphics card in it, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, like Dumbledore, for the most of his life, we get the impression he is just like a pretty cool guy that did cool stuff, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's... And it's not like Voldemort was opposed to Dumbledore because he wanted the Elder Wand. I don't think Voldemort even knew about it until very, very late. Yeah, until he tortured Ollivander, which is this book, right? Like, mm-hmm. not not something that really matters. And, and the... I mean, this actually goes even further than, like, biffing the, like, setting up the, the like, conflicts so we can have any tension about it thing. Um... We we are told that Voldemort wants the Elder Wand because it will help him kill Harry. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't do that. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's literally nothing that we see the Elder Wand do that indicates what its actual power is. Um, it honestly seems pretty inconsequential overall. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, in in as as the book, uh, my book reader brain who knows that the book at least tried to establish something about the other one, like still didn't make this work. Right. But like Harry getting rid of it makes sense to me, but in the films, especially it's like, I don't know what that is. It's just an ugly ass wand. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's just unearned. Right. And I think that it's like sort of a big mistake here where you just put it in because, you know, I've seen Lord of the Rings before, so I sort of understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I understand tropes, but mm-hmm. I'm like, it's never been that yeah. here. No, it's... I guess it's a scary-looking wand. It looks like it has little beehives It's on nasty. It, but... It's got the... Yeah, it looks like it's got, like, it's lotus gross. seed holes in it. It's gross. I don't like it. I would break it just for that reason, honestly. Yeah, um, but I just, like, I'm sort of like, it seems like a good thing for Harry to have, so... yeah. Yeah, um, instead, he throws it off the cliff, and then we immediately get the 19 years later cut. Uh, what we're all here we're for. we're all here for. This was unchanged. I imagine that yeah. this was in a contract somewhere. Uh, yeah. J.K. Rowling would not let them touch this sequence. No, it sucks ass, It's though. so bad. It, it, it is, I mean, it, it is word for word with, like, a couple of sides. Like, there's no driver's test conversation. Yeah, there's no, like, oh, Teddy and... Victoire, Victoire are making out on the train. Yeah. Like, there's none of that, no. but it's just, I don't know, they're all old at the train. <laughs> Have you seen... Like, really old for some reason. So, yeah, so these characters should be, like, 35 here or something. Yeah. And they look at least 48 here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, that's pretty funny. Did you know that this is actually their second attempt at doing that? Wait, really? This was their second uh do, like version why why okay what do they have what why do they hate Ginny so much yeah the Ginny thing they <laughs> my i have a theory <laughs> that she said something rude to a, a costume designer or something oh no yeah. that's gotta because like there is no other reason otherwise to do to her what they did to her here it's so mean let me find you cgi they so they actually redid this sequence with CG because the makeup and like prosthetics that they gave the actors originally are like just so awful. Here we go. Uh, it's just unnecessary. Here's one dreadful. And I'll make sure I'll make sure to post these on the on the Twitter. Ron so. looks like he's dying. Yeah, he looks like <laughs> he, is, he is like one day from death. Yeah. What? Why? <laughs> yeah, I don't no. know. Yeah, but what? But Ginny in particular is—it's very funny to me, and I—I I, I guess it really is just like a um, 
I, I, I'm assuming that this is supposed to be like the book. It's supposed to be some like, you know, ode to like the normal person, right? But like a normal 30 something in 2020 looks a lot cooler than this. I'm sorry. Like, Ron looks ill. Yeah, Ron looks ill. And Ginny has like huge, a huge 70s like hairspray hairdo. I mean, like, I've seen, she's what, supposed to be a 30s sports reporter? Yeah. I've seen sports reporters in their 30s. They don't look like this. Yeah, like, this is not what shocks looks like. This is not what, I mean, also, she's like an athlete, too. Like, I, 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 there is, there is a very depressing vision of, of her here where it's like, she's the one character out of, out of these fucking dorks who work at, like, the, the ministry, right? Who, like could be way cooler you know because like she's a she out of all of them other than maybe harry who's like god is a celeb like she's a she's a pro quidditch star she's a like wizard tv presenter or whatever you would expect her to like not look like she just rolled out of bed um i mean honestly all these characters should be like rich as fuck and we all know that like rich people get to just not age (laughs) Ron, Ron looks like he, Ron looks like he just watched the tape from the ring. <laughs> He's going to die oh, in seven days. Yeah, why? <laughs> they, they, like, made him, this carried through in the, in the film, too. They made him, like, purple. Like, <laughs> he's really not looking okay. Uh, so, so, so they did this, and everyone was like what the hell is this and then then did they like face tune everyone to like smooth yeah. them like they did to alan rickman yeah i i think that's exactly what happened it's <laughs> exactly what this deserves because 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 ron's hair is not nearly this like gnarly looking uh in the final products uh daniel radcliffe i think they uh uh filled his hairline back in because they, they've yeah. they've given them all receding hairlines which i mean like obviously that happens but they're like again they're like in their early 30s like <laughs> they look much older than they're supposed to be um uh and yeah but they and they just still also look like you know 20 year olds with with aged yeah on, there's which is just always there's weird. no way getting around there's no like no matter what you do to this, these characters look like teenagers, like making fun of old people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it really, really reaches like its peak when we get the heart to heart between Harry and Albus Severus here. It's just, it's impossible. You can't have a 20 year old actor acting like a 40 year old dad. Yeah. It's just too weird. Yeah. It, it, he, he, he really goes for he, it, though. He does I, his, I respect he does Daniel. his best. But, like, I, I can't tell whether he is, like, if he's intentionally roughing up his voice or if they just pitched him down, like, a semitone or something. <laughs> but it does not sound right. It It's very No, I mean, weird. I think that his voice already changed, so I'm not sure why. <laughs> right, he has. Why they need to do that was, to him. He was 22 or 23 when by the time they got around to this movie. Like... He can, his that's what his voice sounds like, you know? Like, <laughs> he has his adult voice. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a mess. I, 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 I it, it, it is, it's a, um, it's a choice, I guess. And I guess it's a choice that J.K. Rowling probably made them 
stick to. Oh right? yeah, she like, would have gone ape shit if they didn't put this in the movie. It's it's a shame it had to be here because I think I think that the, the especially with a movie that again really is not that long. I think no. I think you could have taken just a little bit more time to do something different with the with like the fallout of this battle, right? And and like mm-hmm. the end of Harry's school days. It's very quick how they move from Hogwarts to the 19 years later scene exactly the same way the book does. And I'm 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 disappointed there's not something else in there. Yeah. Um even if we had to get to the epilogue, maybe just some something whether it be like a montage saying like hey uh we install the new dictator we're cops now um mm-hmm. just anything really um oh and uh this is completely meaningless but uh, i it's something that i realized just now or, or or just just after watching the scene albus severus potter asp asp snake slytherin Oh, the story continues. The story continues. But that's the movie. Honestly, if I were J.K. Rowling and someone was, like, bugging me over and over again about, um, like, why why did Harry name his kid Albus Severus? Instead of giving that long explanation, I've been like, I wanted it to be a snake initial. Yeah. Period. Get over it. it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Why not? Because uh, then you at least get to claim, like, actually, it was foreshadowing from my very important play, right? Like, yeah, there you go. Okay, they, 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 like you can string that like conspiracy theory along that, that you you had this plot in your head the whole time, right? Like, sure, sure, sure. Why not? Why not? Why not? Uh, well, that's the movie. Do you have anything else you want to say about this one? Um, I had a great time with this. movie. This was entertaining as fuck. Uh, yeah, it, I feel the same way about this movie as I did about Order of the Phoenix, where I, I think it was like a train wreck. I don't think it was very good, but I just had a blast watching it. Yeah, it wasn't too long either. It's like two hours. Uh, the battle scenes were really boring, but um, Voldemort really brought it back for Voldemort, me. Voldemort was great. Uh, the the few changes that were here were absolutely for the better, um, and. Uh, uh, it really is mostly about Ray Fiennes. He's having a he yeah. was having a great time, and I did too. Yeah, I, I will say the one thing that it's missing for me that a lot of the other movies really, really added was was just the character moments. Mm-hmm. There was no time for no, that. No, nothing. Um, the way the ways where like Daniel, Rupert, and Emma like make those characters their own. And get their their little cute moments where I'm like, ah, oh, the actors really really make this. Those didn't get to happen Mm-mm. in this movie because it was just a battle. Yeah, that's. I think that is the biggest knock against it is just like it. Even even when they were like children and like barely acting, right? Like mm-hmm. they they managed to have such a good chemistry together after after a while. Yeah. Uh, uh, like Daniel Radcliffe, I think just which is always interesting because he he has gone on record many times saying that like he thinks that his acting in these movies is really bad. He's really embarrassed by it. He like obviously he was going through a lot of personal problems filming the later movies too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he is really good in these. Uh, he is. He's Harry Potter. He's Harry Potter to me. Yeah, he brought Harry Potter is not a character in the books at all. No, he's like he's like Rambo sometimes. <laughs> He's still, he's like uh, like reader insert sometimes. So I think Daniel like 
going into that role and making that character. I think most people, when they think about Harry Potter, they think about Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter. Even even people who are like, the books are way better than the movies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, he made that character. Yeah. Yeah, he he did a really good job of it. I th- I think that uh, he is he he and and like I said, uh, Emma and Rupert as well. I think just yeah, Rupert's very charming in these. Rupert's, yeah, Rupert's great, and like Emma, I had a lot of th- there are some there are some bad takes that they've chose chosen for her in these movies. You know, some odd reads, yeah. but I think overall, yeah. I think that she also is. Hermione <laughs> to me. Yeah, I mean, they did a lot of bad takes of, like, all the actors. Ponsive. Like, a lot of the, like, very good adult act. like, I mean, they're, I guess they're all adults in this movie, yeah. but, like, the teachers and stuff, they, I mean, Ponsive is, you yeah. know, and her, and McGonagall being like, I always wanted to use that spell, or, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not, that's just this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's less on the actors, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, keep those thoughts in mind. Because we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to rank the films. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, This... Uh, episode's third segment comes by popular request. Hmm. The number one comment on our um, our book ranking uh, uh, episode was, please, please rank the movies next. <laughs> Lots of people were asking about that. So uh, without further ado, let's do just that. Yeah. Um, I guess this is a little... I guess it's not that much different from the books, but I feel like the the movies are entertaining in different ways, even when they're very bad, right? Mm-hmm. So, are, like, are, do you want to rank these based on, like, what we think the actual, like, artistic quality of each movie is? Or do we want to rank these by, like, how much fun we had? Like, do you want to take take that into account? Like, how, how roastable are these films? How mm, I mean, I think we go... F- favorite which i know is like because i think that's sort of what we did with the books as well Mm -hmm. and i know that like i think that it could be like you could rank just entertainment factor pretty high on the list Mm -hmm. so what you're saying we can kind of take it all into account yeah yeah i think so because my because my favorite will maybe include ones that i think are bad enough to be fun to watch right like Mm-hmm. That makes that makes sense to me, at least. I mean, uh, I'll take fun and bad over bad and boring, which I think right. is more what we've got going on here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so we'll we'll we'll, we'll kind of play it by ear here. Okay. Um, I feel like, uh, maybe unfairly, but I guess it's just because it's also the best book. We're probably just gonna put three at the top here. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like this feels like sort of too easy but it just like the best book did also get the best movie i (laughs) I just don't know i don't know like it seems very lucky that that's what happened but that's just sort of how it all yeah how it all played out i feel like prisoner of azkaban is the ideal harry potter movie yeah it's uh it's it's spooky 
it's uh it's got a great score i love the soundtrack of that movie that that really leaps out to me um i think that kind of the actors really come into their own in that one um it looks crazy good uh and has some of the most fun moments i think uh the lupin cg is very funny the lupin cg is very funny the freeze frame at the end is very funny um but there's there for every one of those that kind of clunks a bit i think there's a a like a weird touch that works for me like what's with that character the kid that they added who's just like the greek chorus it's really funny i love that that addition uh-huh that is that is an incredible uh uh choice and i i love that kid he's he's he really brings it in those moments. Yeah. Um, this is like the only movie that feels like it wasn't engineered in a lab. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So to some degree, all of them do feel kind of feel that way. I mean, like in, in different ways, but very it's it's the most. It has it has like the, the most personal touch, I think, from a, like from a director on it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it, it is just a much better movie. I think it's a movie that I would be happy watching just like for fun. Um, yep. Uh, it's like maybe the fondest and maybe only it only fond at this point memory I have of like an official Harry Potter product. Right. Like, mm-hmm. It's the one that retains the most value for me artistically, at least for sure. Um, so, yeah. So I think that slots in pretty easily at number one. Number two, I think is where it's going to get a lot more difficult. What's the I, second best? Very unfortunately, I do not have as strong... I mean, I remember the movies, but I don't have the same impression that I mm-hmm. do for them as I did for the books. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of... Uh, let's actually run through them real quick, just sure. so I can sort of get my yeah. bearings here. Okay. So, so Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets were the ones directed by Chris Columbus. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that are like as by the book as possible. Yeah, they're also um, just squeaky clean kids movies, right? Yes. They well, feel... Yeah, yeah. They feel like movies for kids, I guess. Yes, yeah. They are, they are very much like family blockbuster style films. They're very clean. They, they are following the books to the letter, so much so that the director said that, like, that was his goal, right? Um, uh, and... The the few things that do change are like really small small writing changes. Like mm-hmm. Chamber of Secrets, Chamber of Secrets takes out the um uh a- am I magic racist plotline? Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, uh, but but other than that, they are pretty much to the letter. Three, obviously, we talked about. Four is. Like one of the first big departures after after the third one, and that like it was, it's the only one that like, it's another like one off director, right? Oh yeah, who was that? Ah, uh, Mark, who directed Goblet of Fire? Goblet of Fire, uh, was directed by uh Mike Newell. Mike- hmm. Um, and it was, it was the one, that is one of the most drastic, like, cutting down. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Um, cause, like, we still get all three Triwizard scenes, but, like, nearly everything else is just chopped. Um, mm-hmm. and we, we get, uh, uh, a little bit of the Crouch mystery, but not very much, just, like, the basics. 
He does uh, that tongue thing. He does the tongue thing. We get a lot of teen drama in this one. It, it like focuses a lot on like the dance and like the uh, the Harry Hermione Ron drama. Um, so there's like a lot of a lot more like like high school movie stuff happening in this one. Mm-hmm. Five, they cut out even more, and it's like just the plot. This movie um, is a montage. Yeah, five is like the montage one, and it was sort of like had a it was it wasn't budget issues. It was like some sort of writer strike overlap or something like oh, that. Oh, was that five or six Harry Potter writer strike? Um. Oh, if I search that, I just get Cormoran strike. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Half-Blood Prince was delayed because of the writer's strike. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Order of the Phoenix was just the, it's the shortest movie for the longest book. Um, and they, like, they just, like, completely trimmed any fat off of that. Yeah. Um, the book six, or movie six, is the one that looked like that. It did look like that. It did look like that. Um, I I feel like my impression of that one is that they made some really good changes. That's another one where um, they focused a lot more on the teen drama stuff again. Oh, okay. Um, that because we got a lot more of um, they they like I if I remember right they kind of ratcheted back some of the um, uh, the everyone telling Harry to stop caring about the mystery thing. Yeah, and and instead filled that space in with like uh, uh, Harry uh, and Lavender and Hermione, etc. Drama. That's the one where um, Hermione calls Lavender a daft bimbo. <laughs> yeah. Um, or dimbo or whatever it was. Um, so that's another one, kind of like the fourth one, where they just focused a lot more on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, movie seven. Yep. W- was the Born movie and movie eight? We just watched. Yep. So that's that's a I well, I can go into more details, but that's just off the top of my head. That's kind of like the rundown of like wonderful. The, the the tone change and whatnot. Second favorite. What what if if I couldn't watch Prisoner of Azkaban, but I had to watch a Harry Potter movie, which one would I choose? Mm. I mean, I think that I have a little bit of um recency bias for Deathly Hallows Part One. Yeah. I thought that movie was like okay. I yeah. I was really shocked. For, for, what for being like book. such a bad book, I was like, that was pretty good. I there are some of the, I mean like we get a lot of like good acting from the trio in that we get um I mean just we we mentioned it earlier in the episode but like the Nick Cave dancing scene mm-hmm. wonderful stuff um uh the the like slight tweaks to how the Horcrux works so like Ron actually gets to be a little bit more in the right it was a really nice, nice to look at movie. Sometimes, yeah, it's really I, pretty. I, in spots. I have like strong impressions of um, that scene um, where Ron was going crazy, and he had he was listening to the podcast, and it was around his neck, and they were walking through that field. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was very cool. Yeah, there's um, there's that like weird plateau with all the rocks on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the cooling tower that they like visit. That's like. When they're like looking for the the Horcrux, that's really cool. I, I was really, I still am very impressed by the uh, movie magic trickery they did to make the plot seem like <laughs> it makes sense if you don't think about it. 
Yeah. By like yeah. rearranging some of the pieces and having the characters like say lines like they mean something. I, mm-hmm. I was like sort of impressed by that. Yeah, the uh, way that they smooth things over to get um, Hermione to say, to suggest going to Godric's Hollow is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can, I can see that being at number Dobby two. Dobby one-taps Wormtail in it. <laughs> Dobby does absolutely wreck Wormtail. <laughs> yeah. We get the torture scene, uh, the very good acting there. I didn't like that so much. Yeah, not, not, not actually that great. David Yates... Horny jail, I think, mm-hmm. is a, is is a, a knock against his his three films. I Can think. we make an argument about any of the other ones above this? Uh, let me think. I really enjoy Daniel Radcliffe's stuff in movie six. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we get like the Felix Felicis stuff. That's where we get that like really funny bit with Hermione, where he's like, "But I am the chosen one." Yeah, that um, stuff's cute. There's some really, just really fun stuff from the main cast in that one. Um, Mm -hmm. I also, uh, as a knock against Six, I think it's one of the ugliest movies I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Um, So that hurts. Um, uh, But then again, Daniel Radcliffe does put his hands up to his face and and makes like little pincer motions, which Mm -hmm. is very cute. So who can say? Here's Um, a a wild one for you. Mm. I have, and I, I fully recognize before I say this, this is ninety percent nostalgia. Mm. Movie one is pretty cute. I like one and two to, to a degree. Uh-huh. I was actually just about to make an argument for movie two mm-hmm. because because of Lockhart and Snake. Oh fuck! Oh, it's and two. It's two. Because because there is so much Lockhart, right? Yeah, like, I don't even know how good of a movie it is, but, like, there are so many moments where I just am, like, cheering watching it. Yeah, having Kenneth Branagh there, incredible. And then there's other cool stuff, too. Like, I really appreciate, um, I mean, this is more, like, movie dork stuff, right? Mm. But, like, I appreciate the big snake animatronic. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I appreciate, like, the kind of, like kids movie horror stuff happening in the in the chamber. Uh, I... I think that for a 12-year-old, Daniel Radcliffe's pretty good in that movie, right? Like, it's 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 got some charm, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think those early first two, it's like, I think the, the little kid actors do a great job for child actors. Like, they, in the ways that they're bad, it mostly comes off as cute instead of annoying. Sure, um, yeah. But they're largely, like, carried by these, like, larger-than-life teacher characters yes. that just get to have a great time and seem like they do yeah, the whole Alan, time. Alan Rickman's going off in these movies mm-hmm. from from the first minute. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, Lockhart, Kenneth Branagh in this movie, incredible. Um, like the, the downside, I would say, uh-huh. is that um, in, in movie two, we also get, I mean, one, that's the Peas movie, the, the complete... What's wrong with fr- that? Well, yeah, they're eating peas yeah, for dinner. There were a lot of peas there. Yeah. Um, but the, but like the the way that they resolve the Hagrid subplot in that, where like everyone claps, like <laughs> sorry, sorry, we sent you to torture jail, <laughs> is is such a hilarious nonsense ending. 
it's hard to decide whether I find that like fun bad or stupid. I think um, I I mean at this point I find it fun bad. Like I would yeah. I would if I watched that movie I would I would point at my screen at the peas and, and laugh <laughs> at everyone clapping for Hagrid. The the other end of that uh, what what was your what was your case for movie one before I uh, before I said two? Oh, it's just yeah. that I forgot the Lockhart was into. Oh. <laughs> it, it was like literally the exact same case for it. It's just that I forgot that two is that, but better because it has like more fun moments. Well, ex- so I I I'll I'll throw a rope to to Sorcerer Stone here as well okay. though. The Dursleys. Oh, they're so good. Are incredible in movie one. I and mean, granted, they they get out some time in two as well. Um. With the Dobby scene. Oh, fuck. Two has Dobby as well. Two's got Dobby. Two's got Dobby. Also, it's before they they um put the smooth tool to him. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah the, the actually really impressive 2002 Dobby yeah. is in the second one. Maybe it is movie two. And I also think that um even though the CG is like still like worse in, in 2002 or whatever, I feel like because of that, everything that Dobby does in that movie is so much more deliberately animated. Yeah, yeah. That he's very dynamic and fun. I was honestly consistently impressed with Dobby in, in that movie. Like, mm-hmm. the amount of, like, interaction with the actors and sets and stuff that he does is kind of crazy for something. Like, this was being made at the same time as, like, Lord of the Rings with Gollum and stuff. And I'd say that they're, like, almost at that level. Like, mm-hmm. just in terms of, like, wow, this is this character is doing stuff and doesn't feel like they're just pasted in, right? Like. Dob- Dobby felt pretty good. It's also very cute watching Daniel Radcliffe try to act at a at a like sock puppet or whatever <laughs> tennis ball. I think yeah, it was. like you yeah. can definitely tell because he's a little kid. Yeah, um, but it's just it's just adorable. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. So maybe it is too. I think. I think. That I just the, the Dursley. The first act of the first movie with the Dursleys is so much fun. Oh, I know. It's um, it's good. I, and I, I do have casting. a lot of nostalgia for the first movie. Um. I, I just think that two, because uh, two's just got like the Snape Lockhart duel and all of that stuff is just way too fun. Yeah, should we go? Should we put Chamber of Secrets at number two? Yeah, I think so. That's a okay. that's a weird one, right? I I guess I the more I think about it, like like I think my my biggest criticism um of that movie is was that it was just so railroaded to be by the book and like very much like a squeaky clean kids movie right Mm -hmm. however on the flip side of that the things by by being railroaded into like having every scene from the book that means we got every lockhart scene yeah and every snape scene yeah and and like you say part of the charm of the early movies is like seeing these actors like bounce off of the little kid actors Mm -hmm. and they just are having a blast there Mm -hmm. um a lot, a lot of good stuff uh, came out of that one. I think. Yeah. You remember that photo shoot we found for like the, the promo for the second movie that was just like Lockhart around <laughs> the world. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's so good. That's the mo- that honestly, like for as much as I dislike Chamber of Secrets as a story, mm-hmm. that was a movie where it felt like everyone involved was having fun. Yeah. Uh, and that is always a good sign, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah, so Chamber of Secrets number two. What do we think for number three? Uh, it, it seems too easy to just put Sorcerer's Stone here, because I don't want to just put it, like, 
it's Chamber of Secrets, but I don't like it quite as much. Mm-hmm. I sort of want to pick one from the the later ones. I'm I'm tempted to go Deathly Hallows Part One here. I think Deathly Hallows One is pretty good. Yeah, all, all, all said, and it it like in the same way that I think the character moments in Chamber of Secrets are fun in like a little kid movie way. Mm-hmm. The good parts of Deathly Hallows Part One are them being more grown up, but having yes. those good character moments. I guess. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. There, yeah, there's there's so much good character acting in that movie. There's also some really bad shit in that movie. <laughs> I mean the fucking chase sequence is, is really it's so stupid. bad. Um Hermione I think, like, throws all a grenade. Of the action is just not good. Yeah. However, do you think the chase is worse than the shaky cam gears of war fight that Harry and Draco have in six? Because that's also <laughs> incredible. The bathroom fight is incredibly funny. That's so goofy. Uh, I think I think Deathly Hallows at three is not a bad choice. We can maybe I'll put a question mark. Yeah. Only DH1 I, I think because I think question a little mark. bit of that might be, like I said, a little bit of recency bias. I do think that those some those scenes are really good though. Yeah, I just think that there's a lot of filler that is bad. Yes. And by filler, I mean action sequences. Yeah. Yes. And like honestly, uh, like. Real talk, I do think I like the Draco Harry shooter fight more yeah. than the chase sequence. Okay. At least right. I know those characters and it's not That's just true. like a car chase where they're just shooting <laughs> lasers at each other. <laughs> Johnny, uh, uh, not Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. All right. Number four. And we can, we, you know, we can, we can rearrange these. I put a question mark here just in case we, we decide. But, but for now, top three, I think is looking pretty good. Order of the Phoenix is pretty funny. I don't even remember why. I just was like laughing that entire movie, and I, I thinking about movie five. I mean, like we got like the very truncated Dumbledore's army story. I think that book five and the reason that I kind of like it is nothing to do with it, and more that I felt so vindicated by the screenwriter, like clearly reading the book and being like, "Oh my god, what yes. do I do with this?" Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Because it is the shortest film and the longest book, and so yeah, because nothing happens in it. The characters don't do <laughs> right. anything in it. Um, did you like Umbridge? Because she's kind of the big like screen presence in that film. I'm pretty. I think she did a good job, but I'm pretty neutral about that character. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't think she's. I don't think she's like a very fun villain. Right. But she's also not very scary, so I'm just. It's kinda, played for uh, laughs in so many weird. Like, remember the running gag of like the the um the like uh uh decrees appearing outside her door and filch had to keep getting bigger ladders to like get up there yeah and, like, but it was and, yeah and it was like sort of interspersed with like some very sinister stuff she was doing yeah as being, like played for comedy like when she's like measuring how tall flitwick yes, is yeah and i'm yeah. like i don't know this doesn't seem like funny to me in this world right right yeah it's a very confused movie i think uh-huh uh it, it doesn't really know like like it, clearly they recognize that the book was bad but the changes they made were d- didn't didn't help i mean like we still get the worst aspects of the centaur stuff right and grop yeah it's not it's a that's just a bad movie i don't know yeah i yeah i i i think it was like very entertainingly bad to watch but more in like a like oh my god this is a train wreck kind of way kind of thing yeah, uh, yeah, 
Uh, you know, as a small aside about <laughs> that's the what... Movie. Sorry, that's, I just remember, that's the movie that starts with Harry on the swing set at the beginning. Oh, no. And then, Wait, and is then that the with, bullies... like, the tunnel and stuff? Yeah, and the bullies come are like, Wait, hey. that part's great. <laughs> yeah, see, there are a lot of, like, very funny moments that I love. Yeah. yeah. Um, as an aside about Order of the Phoenix, I think part of the reason that it doesn't work for me is, like, I... Everyone knows the fan thing, right? It's, it's like, Umbridge is scarier than Voldemort because everyone's known in Umbridge, right? Right. Um, and I remember reading the books uh, when I, I guess I'll say when I was in the fandom or whatever and being like, oh, yeah, that's so true. I, I think that reading them again, Umbridge is the biggest question mark to me because I feel nothing about that character. <laughs> yeah. I. The idea of Umbridge is very scary, but it's like I... I can't get a read from the book or the, like, certainly not the film on, like, does she represent the, uh, like, the kind of person that everyone knows? Does she represent, like, government oversight? Like, it's, it's, she, she's pulled in so many different directions by that story that it's difficult to, like, nail down exactly what about her I should find scary. Yeah, I think she's, she's a, uh, a little bit of an inkblot test and, it didn't really work on me this time. Sure, yeah. I mean, like, the the big thing, right, is, like, everyone going, like, well, I mean, she tortures Harry with the, with the pen. Harry's which always is, getting tortured. Well, not only that, but, like, as a joke in, in book one, Filch was like, oh, they should bring back the rack at this school or whatever. So, like, not a unique thing to her. No, and, I, and I'm not saying, like, that's not, like, worse, some, but, like, Snape has him do all sorts of gross shit in detention. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he makes them di- dissect animals for him. And yeah, stuff. I just don't really yeah. understand the stakes of Umbridge very well. Yeah, um, yeah. So, no, I don't think five goes here, even though it's very funny. Um, what about four? Four, it might be the one that has left the the least impression on me beyond mm-hmm. some like technical changes that I think were good. Like mm-hmm. having, um, having Neville bring the, bring the, the ball of swim underwater gunk. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some other, I think just stuff that smoothed out that story that didn't make a lot of sense in the book. Um, Otherwise, I'm just, I have very little impression of that one. Yeah, I mean, like, the 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 things that were omitted are some of the most noticeable things about I mean, like, like just, they cut away from the Quidditch World Cup, right? Oh, they, yeah. We did uh, get that shot of them with, like, like green screened in, though, where they're like, woo, Ireland, woo, or whatever the they Irish say. Here. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's the, um, obviously, the, 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 the much more reasonably truncated uh pensive stuff po- excuse me poncive the poncive, the poncive stuff. yeah um i don't think david tennant's that great in this movie sorry to him no he's not i don't think um, it's even really his fault no no i mean he's he's barely got any scenes right like uh i will say though uh i think moody's pretty good in this film different mm-hmm. than i imagined him but still quite good um, yeah they capture like the sinister air but I think mainly my main memory of the fourth movie is I thought that Cedric was pretty good. Oh, yeah. I think they did. I think they took a character who was barely anything in the book. And I, I think that uh, Robert Pattinson actually gave like a really fun performance. 
Oh, the um, graveyard scene was also great. That's our first uh, Voldemort. Uh, <laughs> yes. Prancing yes. around scene. Voldemort prancing around. Although, what the fuck is with that grave? <laughs> that like it's very huge, cool that like huge, yeah it looks like a war crack it looks like the dark portal or something yeah. like it's it's really really over the top um but it is yes it is it is our first like really delightful voldemort prancing scene mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i don't know if i don't know if it goes here though there's because there's also the part where they listen to the band sing "Wheels on the Bus." <laughs> that, wait, that doesn't uh, count because that's a deleted scene. Uh, no, one of them is in the film. Oh, I, it, aren't they just like it's just like band music and they're all jumping or something? You you hear like the first verse of it. Oh, okay. Is the full one that was cut? If I okay, remember right, okay. yeah, we do we do at least see a little bit of of uh, can you dance? Can you do the hippogriff? Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, the the wheels on the bus scene. <laughs> did I like funny. the Did I like the Yule Ball stuff or no? I like Snape uh, walking around like shooting the bushes or whatever. Yeah, I the the Yule Ball. There's a great shot of like Harry and Ron looking dejected after they've both been like turned down by their dates, right? Mm-hmm. But I think if I remember right, that movie gets like even weirder with some of the like, uh, the, the like Hermione stuff. Because oh like, yeah, and the, and the biggest crime is they there are those um behind the scenes pictures of uh, Draco in his uh, tux and he yeah, doesn't even show up in the movie. Is isn't he wearing like all white? Yes. Yeah, he's wearing like a white tux. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff in the Yule Ball that got cut that, that probably would have made that a lot more entertaining. Honestly, I just have to. I have to. I have to make it this not book or movie for just because of the heinous costuming choices at the Yule yeah Ball, purely for that. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so it's not Order of the Phoenix, it's not Goblet. The Sorcerer, I think Sorcerer's Stone goes here. I think it has to, unfortunately. I, I think this is I don't Sorcerer's know why, Stone. I don't know why that feels like a bummer to me, but it just kind of has to. Um, I, yeah. Movie 6 has some fun stuff in it, doesn't it? Some drama, perhaps? It's got a little drama. It's got some cute scenes. I just realized I had seven things here. There needs to be eight. There's eight films, eight yes. Eight films. Um, yeah. Half-Blood Prince, it really does look like that. It does look like that. It's hard to look at it for it's too long. It's a very ugly film, in my opinion. Um, it has some of the funniest, because they got that, like, famous uh, uh, director of photography to do it, and he's sort of, like... He's he's definitely a polarizing, like, love him or hate him filmmaker. I mean, yeah, you gotta give it the auteur's respect. I do give it the auteur's respect. Um, I mean, there's all that stuff. There's stuff that they tried in this movie that they never tried in any other movies that I found very funny. Like when um, Dumbledore showed up at the train station and he's standing by that ad and he's like blocking it, blocking a couple of the words. So it says like, you're a magic man. The magic man. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of like really like fun question mark. Like, like like you know cinema touches like that that none of the other movies have mm-hmm. um i like i wish that movie didn't have that awful digital soft focus <laughs> and color on it because i do think some of the like framing and stuff in that movie is really cool like when when narcissa is going to snape's house and it's like the weird geometric like i i think i hated that at first but i've come to i i i kind of like respect that more now i think 
like weird geometric town he lives in and like the the way that like the ministry is is filmed in a couple or was it the ministry i can't remember it's there there's just a lot of striking looking stuff unfortunately it's also slathered in that fucking green like blur all the time and it it really ruins the look i i do think that this movie made the most impactful changes mm-hmm. like it, i think it it takes it to the most extreme like as the book being pretty bad and then like managing to pull out the more fun stuff and emphasize them in the movie like i think that the draco the consistent draco thing is better yes uh, and with like the cabinets and like showing those scenes with the birds through the, the cabinets birds. and the apple the, and all, yeah. all that shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas that's like the... in the in the book, it's just dire. Yeah, yeah. That stuff is very on the nose, but it's very like it's it's very it feels very romantic in like the artistic sense, right? Like it's very yeah. very um, very melodramatic, and, and I I think that's fun. I, that, that's a good thing for a teen movie to be, right? I, I like. I the melodrama of of draco malfoy in this film yeah, it, it, nothing says melodrama like the waiter suit i know it's a very good suit which movie had um hoodie voldemort that was five god damn it <laughs> hoodie voldemort is so good <laughs> oh man because we get like a twofer because it's it's hoodie voldemort and suit voldemort in wonderful yeah he's slender man and and he has a hoodie yeah that's um that's the part where harry is uh dreaming about hallway Mm. and orb they added voldemort in hoodie yeah Uh, (laughs) oh yeah maybe it is maybe it is movie six here because i remember i think that for as much as i hated how it looked and for as how little as i care about like horcruxes and the the stupid um tom riddle backstory stuff it does have a lot of fun teen drama where the actors get to i mean it's it's where we get the um the slug club scenes which are so good yeah uh harry going and and meeting like their sanguini there's the part where um snape pulls him aside (gasps) at the party yeah that's a good Uh, part and he says and he like or who is it that he like lets eat one of the hors d'oeuvres and then tells him that it's balls or whatever is that (laughs) snape or draco i know that he like i know that he like purposefully doesn't tell someone what the hors d'oeuvre is and then tells him it's balls which is very funny like there's just some oh hermione with the huge thing of ice cream in the slug club Mm -hmm. yeah there's so much good uh golden trio stuff in that movie yeah um, it's just too bad it looked like that, but it really it is what it look is, like right? That. It, yeah, that there's there's only so much you can do about that. Shall I put half a prince question mark here? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, number six. Uh, I think maybe this is where Goblet goes. I think so too. I think it just has to has to go in here because I think it's better than Order of the Phoenix and Deathly Hallows too, but. It's certainly not great. It's so hard. I think order is hard for me just because, like, Goblet left so little of an impression. Yeah. And that is. I almost want to put anything higher, but I probably liked it more than I think. It's that's a really difficult one because if it left like zero impression on you, that's pretty bad, right? Mm hmm. Like, being unremarkable is like one of the worst things a movie can be. 
Yeah. But Order of the Phoenix is also really bad, so I don't know how to shake this one out. Because Order of the Phoenix, we did have a blast with Order Oh, because remember the Skyrim part where he, like, writes the Civil War letter? And he's like... Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, dearest Sirius, I, <laughs> the winter has grown cold here on the... <laughs> and he's like, yeah, what the fuck? Oh, maybe it is Order Above Goblet because of shit like that. Yeah, I, I, the only good thing I can say for Goblet is um, is the Voldemort scene at the end. And I guess, like, yeah, it was sad when Cedric died, right? But, like, the problem with Goblet is it's just all of those, like, really boring and long action scenes that they made out of the Triwizard. Oh, my God. The and they're fucking... just, oh, and it's just yeah. every time they happen, it's like, okay, here we go. The dragon chase. It's bad. Harry killed that dragon. Oh, yeah. That did not happen in the book. No. <laughs> that dragon's fucking dead. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to swap this around. I think order goes here. It is not good, but it is uh, certainly more it's entertaining. Wowie. Yeah, I forgot about Wowie the, Zowie. I forgot about that weird <laughs> voiceover scene. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, God, he's like writing the letter and then he... <laughs> walks out to find luna and then they talk about the festival that is an insane movie yeah it is very funny stuff in there okay oh and then the, of course because there's also the part where they they have the fight and the shelves the shelf fight is also hilarious because we get we get all of our favorite death eaters oh i love the fight there's the there's the give me your phone moment me, yes. they're like zooming around yeah yeah, Lucius is just like, give me the orb. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Order <laughs> of the Phoenix goes above Goblet. Mm -hmm. Now, the final choice here. Yeah. I guess. So, so do you think we can lock in Half-Blood and, and Deathly Hallows 1? I think so. Yeah, I think these are good. Which is worse? Goblet of Fire or Deathly Hallows 2? Here's the problem. Both of these movies end with an incredibly strong Ray Fiennes performance. Yeah, but I think that I think Deathly Hallows Part Two is better. <laughs> I mean, I mean, purely his performance, the hug, the stance while Neville's giving his speech, the power stance his, is his bare really feet good. In the blood, it's <laughs> <laughs> the fucking faces he makes when they're falling off the cliff. When, when he's busted, when the oh, cup gets destroyed. Yeah, he, he... I'm gonna clip that whole sequence and post it. It is unbelievable. Voldemort going, oh, and then white water blasting all over Hermione and Ron. Oh my god. Incredible. Uh, that movie is not good, but I would watch it again. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're... I think it's... I think Deathly Hallows 2 avoids being the worst movie, but it's purely because of more Voldemort. He 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 busts. He, he laughs. Uh -huh. He hugs. He is a <laughs> he is a man of many faces in that film. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, and he, he does get some great scenes in in Goblet of Fire. He's also walking around barefoot there in uh, a lot of like weirdly up close shots. Um, mm -hmm. Not, not. I, I can't remember any specific lines from that moment. No, me neither. And it's been a while. Obviously, it's been like a year or two since we watched it. But still, it's like <sighs> he is very, he's very charming. 
And and I think he drags Deathly Hallows 2 out of the bottom pure like alone on 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 in this case. I think so. I mean it doesn't make it a good movie, but wow. Yeah, yeah, let's 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 lock it in. Seven and eight, so our list is number one, Preserve Azkaban. Number two, Chamber of Secrets. Number three, Deathly Hallows Part One. Number four, Sorcerer's Stone. Number five, Half Blood Prince. Number six, Order of the Phoenix. Number seven, Deathly Hallows Part Two. And number eight, Goblet of Fire. It feels really weird because I don't really have anything very against Goblet of Fire. I just have nothing for I, it either. It, these the thing is, is that I feel like this is less like the thing that made the the book ranking difficult is that the level of bad that these books were had so much grime on it, right? Mm-hmm. In the, in the, it almost feels like you're just, like, ranking rocks with bugs underneath that you just picked up, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas the, these movies, I feel, at least have enough, enough, and I'm not saying, like, you know, complete or anything but like enough artistic distance from like jk rowling's worst writing habits right that it it it's i the worst harry potter movie i think is more valuable artistically than the best harry potter book almost you know what i mean like i I feel i feel like these the the movies are uh uh, you're you're ranking a lot less you're we're dealing with a lot less bad shit in here um, you're, you're still just dealing with like family blockbusters made by a team of professionals yeah. <laughs> right who who more and more it seems like tried to like almost like have like a jk rowling policy of containment rather than like <laughs> letting her uh do everything right because because yeah. like the, i mean the main thing too is thinking like comparing these films to jk rowling unleashed in the fantastic beasts films Night and day, even though they share directors, mm-hmm. uh, those movies are so much worse and so much more repulsive. Um, uh, and and I think that it's a little easier to to like watch these movies and go like, you know what? These are at least entertaining. Like, yeah. God, Chamber. I just remembering like other good shit from Chamber of Secrets. Moaning more Myrtle, a lot of fun. Oh yeah, those are hilarious. Yeah, just just some good stuff in these things. All right. Those are our movie rankings. Anything more you want to say about the movies, or should we leave it there? No, I think I'm good. All right. In that case, this week I don't have to say what our theme song is because it's going to be the Wild About Harry movie song. Wonderful. As always, you can find us on Patreon. Uh, uh, tons and tons of stuff. Uh, uh, tons. Oh, fuck. I fucked up the intro last time. I fucked up the outro on this one. <laughs> Patreon.com slash recast. Lots and lots of fun bonus content for you there. Other movies, other books, other TV shows, uh, beverages, video games, whatever is going on in our lives over there. And uh, I guess we're not reading a Harry Potter chapter next week either. Nope. We're free. We're free. No more Harry Potter. We're all free. Except Chris Child. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're free. Watch another movie. Read another book. Yeah. Watch another movie. And please read another book. <laughs>